Hey Hellheads, this is Matthew Boyne. I'm the founder of the Mignolaverse Discord. You're listening to the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Reading Hellboy comics and talking to our friends. Hellboy Book Club. Hello everybody and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Thanks so much, Matthew Boyne, for his intro this week. Hey, it's great to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, super good. That was awesome. Thank you. And thanks for all your work you do over on the Discord. Thanks so much for all the feedback we received from the Wild Hunt giveaway. We have a lot of great reviews, but a lot of them have vague usernames. So please contact us at hellboybookclub at gmail.com or social media messenger or hit up Mignolaverse and let us know what those names are so we can figure out we're trying to determine a winner of that we'll give some time for peeps to do that and draw a name keep those reviews coming in thanks to ryan rollinson for his review on facebook intelligent host plus amazing books equals fun podcast for old and new fans and thanks richard j lee at richard lee geek on twitter for recommending us for follow friday at Feline Fatale on Twitter said, I finished BPRD Plague of Frogs 1, and let me tell you, I wish the post office was faster because I need number 2. I love the podcast, and because of it, I now have my mailman's number, so I always get my packages. Wowzers. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I could use that. That's great advice. I wish I had our mail person's number. Here's the thing. I actually work at a screen printing shop, so we are very close with our FedEx guy. Right. And... Uh, Lance sometimes will call him and be like, hey, we can't actually do any jobs, you know, until we get the stuff that comes in that we're going to be printing on, right? So I was like, hey, we should all definitely sign a card for him and get him like a Starbucks gift card and <laughs> stuff at least once a year. So if you do bother your mail person for stuff like that, get them a nice little yeah, card. Get them a Starbucks good, yeah. gift card or something like that to let them know you appreciate it because that is like, that. their jobs are ridiculously awful. Well, yeah, yeah. and also... You should just do that anyway. Like if like sure. our mail person like usually tries to put our packages behind the bush and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like, you know, if they do stuff like that or, you know, try and make sure that your stuff doesn't get stolen or damaged, then yeah, you know. Big time. Do, throw them a little bonus Shouts whenever you out can. To mail carriers. <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, working in an office building downtown, I used to know and I had to get the mail and so I got to know the um, the mail delivery carrier very well because people are always demanding on their packages so i had to go talk to him all the time he was right. a really nice guy yeah. yeah and then he got promoted and moved to a better oh, place no. and i was just like no it's good for him <laughs> i celebrate that for him oh yeah of no of course i was just like congratulations yeah man, but but i understand your relationship with him was solid yeah you know you had an understanding yeah, and I, I never got a chance to develop a relationship with the next person because ah. they were still rotating people in and out by the time I left that job. No one could fill his <laughs> shoes. No, they really couldn't. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we this week we had an awesome Hellboy trailer. We had a red band trailer and a green band trailer. Oh, it was really cool, so and so we're going to talk good. about that for a little bit. But Danielle didn't watch the trailer. Uh, yeah, I don't, really, I don't really go out of my way to watch trailers and stuff. But right. For a movie that I know I'm already going to see. If I'm in a theater and I see there's a trailer for a movie I haven't even heard of, I'm like, ah, I might go see that. But, like, I've said this before. I feel yeah. like trailers are just to get you psyched about a movie. I'm already going to see the movie, so I don't know. It's just kind of like, what I I'm going to see all this stuff in the movie. Why do I need to see it right now? Right. But Aubrey and I are going to talk about the trailer for a little bit. Did That's you want to 
Uh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Well, there's like spoilers and stuff. You don't care. See, why do they put? Why do they do that? Why do they put spoilers? Well, and to that's a movie one of the things in the trailer. I guess that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about too. Is because I did feel like they did show a little too much. I thought. I thought that maybe the first trailer was not very well received. You know, and right. so I think for the second trailer they were like, okay, well let's really show them. Yeah, I don't know. Let's really all of it is a mistake. Let's really show how people awesome are gonna see it. All the awesome stuff that were well at, at the first trailer, a lot of people were saying they weren't. Oh, a lot of people were saying whiny diaper babies. A right? lot of people were saying that uh, they didn't like the first trailer, babies, you know, or the tone of the trailer. So, yeah. but I think in terms of marketing and stuff like that, you know what I mean. They had to kind of. I don't know. I really enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was fun, and I. I I I know what you're talking about in the spoilerific parts, but I don't know if I think it was that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just uh, it didn't bother me. Yeah, you yeah. Know. But there was some cool. Um, there were more like Easter eggs in there. They showed like you got a better look at the chicken leg house. You got like a glimpse of Baba Yaga. Do you care that we're talking about any of this stuff or? No, it's like you know, I'm I'm gonna see the movie. I just feel yeah, like yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like saying something that you know, <laughs> that you might not want to hear. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else for a second. Okay, sorry. No, that's fine. Anybody else who doesn't want spoilers, go ahead and plug your ears. Hellboy Daimyo versus Grogok. Oh, yeah. That looks so awesome. I was super excited to see that. That's really exciting. Yeah, all that action stuff looks really great. I mean, what else did I see? I think I sent this to you, too. In one of the scenes, I almost I thought I saw that little porcupine guy, the little hedgehog guy or whatever oh, yeah, from definitely. Darkness Calls and mm-hmm. the Wild Hunt. So, yeah. you know, stuff like that got me really excited. And, um, yeah, I think it looks really great. I think it looks really fun. It looks like it's going to be a bloody monster movie, you know, type of movie. And there's going to be a lot of action. There's going to be a lot of special effects. And it just looks awesome. I'm still pumped for the movie. I'm wondering though, some of it's going to be kind of told in flashback, but the like, is the Mexico stuff going to be in a flashback, or is that going to be where he is when they find him? Yeah, I wonder yeah. if they're going to like cut to stuff like that really quick and then cut back, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how they're going to fit so much into the movie. It did seem like they showed a lot to me, but I think there will be more surprises for us. There's still some things that I'm unsure about, you know. Well, I mean, for us, it's like we kind of know, well, you know way more than than we do, but, uh, you know, or more than I do. But Mm. uh, to me, it's just like, you know, knowing what I know, I'm just like, you know, and now I don't have to wonder if I'm going to see Jaguar in the film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely a good point. Yeah. There were some people saying that they didn't want to know that. No, I know. Um, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. So other than that trailer, did you see that really cool one that Colin DeGraff did? Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to talk about, about that a little uh, bit. Um, oh, God. What was that story we read last week? The story we, we read New last Orleans, week. Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Colin DeGraff. Yeah. He made an awesome BPRD video that went along with that story, New World, that we read last week. Oh, yeah. That was I posted awesome. it on Facebook and Twitter. So go ahead and check that out. And he said... New World might be one of my favorite BPRD stories up there with the King of Fear, Killing Ground, and another one that we're going to get to. Hope to do another one of these for one of the upcoming Hell on Earth arcs. So thanks so much, Colin. We really enjoyed that, and um, I think a, a lot of the other listeners also enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's something that that's something that I really uh, think is special about this is that the book club, you know, we're not the we're not the three members of the book club. Like the members of the book club are as many people as are reading these stories and are enjoying them and are you know making they make comic strips they make uh Mm -hmm. they make drawings they make these animations they make a song they make an animation they make a whatever a little film they make a you know and it's it's they'll 
do they'll crochet a, a doll. They'll do, you know, I think that <laughs> writing a script or anything that you want to do that's creative, as long as you're getting excited about it and you're talking to your friends about it, it can, you know, just because it's all, we're commu- you know, we're communicating with each other over the internet, it's all online and stuff, but, um, you know, you can, you can give a, a book to your friend, tell them to read it, and then they're in the book club too, and they're, now they're a member, and we're all friends, and right. I think that's just, I don't know, it's just really cool that, um, all these other book club members are getting excited about yeah. it and yeah. contributing really love all these awesome creative things, and I think that's really great. So I did want one question about that. Um, what was the song in there? Do y'all know? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so, I should have asked Colin what that song was. So, so Colin, what was the song? <laughs> Can you please let me know? Yeah, I, mean, I guess I could try and use Shazam, but it's easier this way. Right. Well, it's, <laughs> it's fun to talk to your friends. It's there fun you go. To ask them a question. So. Before we move on from the trailer, though, I did want to talk a little bit about some of this controversy that went on over the weekend. Oh, I think it would man. be, I think it would be, um, I don't really want to get into all this kind of stuff, but yeah, I feel but like it would be weird if we just it. didn't yeah. talk about it. So it needs to be addressed. You know, there was a, I guess there was a tweet. It all started in December, I guess. There was a tweet from John Arcudi where he was like, you know, uh, don't tag me in the Hellboy stuff or with Daimyo or with the Hellboy movie. You know, it's it's nothing for me to celebrate or something along the lines it's of really that. really harsh and weird. Yeah, and, you know, that tweet came out in December, and I guess he said he was going to write something about it, but then he ended up not writing something about it. Possibly um, for legal reasons? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know. And so then that got retweeted this weekend, and then it started kind of just going everywhere, and... I guess one of the weird things about it is that Arcudi was the only one really saying stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we we didn't really hear yeah. from anybody else, and he was saying, you know, that um, apparently something about some sort of bad blood or falling out because of the character rights to Daimyo. Huh. You know, and and I don't think that's something that's up for discussion or contention or I. You know, I I don't really know because. We've read in all the forwards and the afterwards yeah. and in interviews with Mignola. They talk about how, you know, um, he's constantly thanking Guy them Davis and, and John yeah. Arcudi, you know, developed a lot of what went on in the BPRD and they were largely responsible. And Mignola just kind of did the broad strokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's Those... all these warm forwards and afterwards that yeah. are all yeah. very, oh, we couldn't have done it without. And everyone's contributions are so beautiful. And like, it's just really everyone mm. seems to be on the right. same page. Right. Exactly. And like, I, I, I even saw. I went down a huge Twitter rabbit sure. hole, as I'm sure a yeah. lot of you guys did on Friday night, and um, really upsetting stuff. And, you know, some some guy even Googled it: who created Ben Daimio, and it said yeah. Mignola, Arcudi, and Davis. Sure, you know, so I don't really know that that is something that anyone's disputing, right. but it seemed like there was something over the rights or something like that. And people were saying, that's a shame, you know, I, I guess the assumption is, is that Arcudi is not getting credited. But how do we know? Cause but we, we, the but we not don't know yet. that. And so yeah. I, I think that that was kind of, you know, there, there's two sides of it, you know, right. there, yeah. there's two sides of it. I have mad respect for John Arcudi. Of course. And I think that it's a bummer to find out. Like I, after all the work that he put into Daimyo, it, it's kind of a bummer to find out that he's not excited about the movie. Yeah. You, you would think that if you put this much work into developing a character and they were going to be brought to the big screen by an awesome actor like Daniel Day Kim, that yeah. you would be like, 
excited. Yes, you know, I can't wait to see this. This is so awesome. Look at Rye Blyfeld jumping around whenever a- Deadpool <laughs> yeah, does yeah, anything, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, so it, <laughs> it was that, that was kind of a bummer, but I don't know that he's not going to get credited, you know? And I, wonder, I don't I, Yeah, I don't know I, if this I, is just I, like I a miscommunication, those, maybe. I, I, Hopefully. I, I, I'm hoping. Yeah, I, I don't really know how any of that stuff works, and I don't want to pretend that I do no, know. No, no, and also I, I don't want to be like, hey... Uh, just jumping immediately at, at it and saying, why not? How dare you? Because, you know, for all we know, Mike Mignola was like, yeah, wait, we are, though, giving you credit. I don't yeah, understand. I so, don't, like, I, we, uh, the movie's right. not out know. yet. We yeah. haven't seen. We don't know. We're not, like, Hollywood people or whatever. So there's no way to really know until... We're just three nerds speculating yeah. like everybody else. But right. I, But I kind of felt like a little people... Some people jumped the gun a little bit. And like I said, it's a fine line. I have mad respect for John Arcudi and I made a post just kind of saying hey you know I have respect for John Arcudi and all his work you know check out some of his other stuff too which is something we would be saying even if this stuff wasn't happening yeah oh exactly so it's not like we're ah this we're two factions two teams you have to be on one or the other like we would be saying this stuff about John Arcudi even if this wasn't going on you should check out his work and you know if you want to go there and I don't even know that I know anything about what I'm about to talk about but it's like you know, his work was work for hire, and I'm sure that he had to sign contracts. I don't or there's, know. I have no idea. You know, there's a lot of probably legalese that goes along with these kinds of things. I don't really know I am how hoping, it works. I'm hoping this well, is a huge misunderstanding. I'm hoping Mignola will reach out and be like, look, man, it's all good. We're going to work it out. It's going right. to be fine kind of a or, thing. Because he seems like, and I don't know this man personally, right. but he seems like he's always been the kind of guy to do stuff like that, right? No? Yeah. Well, no. and he, he usually no? talks about, I mean, in a lot of interviews, he's, he talks about, oh, I was just on the phone with John Arcudi, sure. and I would just tell him yeah let's do this and this and this and then he would go off and write it all right so you know i don't it's know that there is this it's hard kind of, to know what's yeah going on so here. you know I, I think we'll we'll see when the movie comes out i'm still planning to go see the movie yeah i'm still planning to do the podcast i'm not you know um i think we're all just really hoping and i'm i'm just yeah. speaking speaking for myself but i know that y'all probably feel this way too i'm really just hoping that this is a huge misunderstanding and that it all gets worked out and has a positive solution because i you know for the most part i want to say that all these creators have been super amazing yeah up and this is the first i've heard of any kind of bad blood at all so i'm hoping that this gets resolved in a positive manner and that it's all kind of ends up being water under the bridge sort of a deal but you know that's that's just because i you know i think we all love these stories and the art and the the writing and it's it's upsetting to hear that things are not all okay between the creators and that's just really something that I'm hoping it gets worked out, and I'm hoping that it's to the benefit of everyone involved, and that, you know, um, that's all I really, you know, because we're just, like you said, we're just three fucking nerds. We don't have anything to do with it, so it's not like we right. know anything or know any of these people, but you just you Proper. just really hope that every that ev- everything gets resolved in a positive way for all these people involved, for all the creators, right. you know? Yeah. Going back to your point about uh, work for hire, I don't know how much you know about, like, the whole Todd McFarlane, Neil Gaiman, oh, yeah. legal battles that were going on in the 90s over Spawn characters. Oh, geez, yeah. Um, geez. It kind of makes me wonder if because the ramification of all this is that creators, when they're hiring other people to work on their universe, yeah. if they make them sign contracts. Right. Certain, I mean, and you got to think about it. You got to think that's what you would want to do to protect your property and sure. all that. And because it is your kind of brand and you are bringing people in and you want them to 
be creative and, right. and bring new creations in. But at the end of the day, it's still your world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I don't know. But Mike Mignola has never. Ass. No, well, yeah. you're, you're right. But yeah. Mike Mignola has also never seemed to be the kind of guy that's like, all right, now it's all my, you're all shut out. Because it's yeah. always, he's always constantly thanking John Arcudi and all these different things. Right. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's definitely not, he's such definitely a weird, not a Bob Kane. <laughs> it's just such a weird turn right into this territory that it just kind of came out of nowhere for and i just want to make sure that i point this out you know arcudi on twitter there were a lot of comments over the weekend and it it seemed like he really didn't want to stir up a lot of he stuff he doesn't want to talk about he it, was yeah. trying not to he was real vague about the whole thing there wasn't really anything and any specific allegations no i'm not you yeah. know and yeah. and and he also said and there was one tweet that i saw from him where he said look a lot of people worked really hard on this movie. If you want to go see the movie, go see it. He's like, you know, don't, you know. But he seemed to imply that he wasn't getting anything out of it. Right, or he wasn't happy with it yeah. or something. So it just seemed like he had soured on that. But, you know, he, he did give mad respect to Guy Davis. He did seem respectful about it. But, you know, I think people jumped on that. And then, you know, there was kind of the gut reaction of people just like, getting upset and and i was one you know i felt upset too but i tried to be a little bit more objective yeah we have to take a step back and realize we don't know the whole story and not trying to say john arcudi is you know not telling the truth or something because like i said i have a lot of respect for that person and i really love the things that he's brought to the table and he's created uh he's an awesome creator but i mean we don't know how this is going to end up so we can't just all jump in with pitchforks and torches and Say, oh, how dare you, Mike Mignola? Because Mike Mignola, I have a lot of respect for and love for that creator too. He's created a lot of stuff that we like, and like I said, I'm before I, I keep reiterating myself, but I'm really still hoping that this is just going to have a positive outcome. John Arcudi's going to end up happy. Mike Mignola's have everyone's happy, and right. I, I hope that's what happens. Uh, what a lot of people were saying on Twitter, a lot of what I saw, people were like preemptively getting mad. Yeah that he's not going to be credited in the movie. But the movie's and we not don't out know yet. that. We don't know that. I mean The movie's not out. Exactly, you know. So like, I, I don't know how we can say for sure that oh, this is not right, this and that. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. I think that we're only hearing some of the information sure. and you know, while the information that we are hearing makes me feel bad, I'm not going to just totally yeah. Accept that as the entire truth of the matter. Because we don't know I don't know, anything. I, I don't know anything. We're I don't just know speculating. anything. And it seems like Arcudi was going to say something and then he didn't. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, you know. The I only don't... reason we're even really, because spe- we even shouldn't probably even really be talking about sure, this at right. all. <laughs> I think the only reason we're speculating about this openly is because it's such a close-knit community of yes. people. And it just, when something starts up, it spreads like fucking wildfire. Yeah. And so I think if anything, we should be kind of trying to amplify the message of let's all keep calm and wait because we are not involved. Yeah. The only people involved are the creators, full stop. And so before we kind of all get ourselves into a big fucking mm-hmm. team whoever versus team whoever... <laughs> And split up this awesome fucking community. Let's just all take a breath, take a step back, let the people who are supposed to be working this out, let them work it out. Then when when all is said and done, we can look at that yeah. after the dust clears and say, okay, what's right about this situation and what's wrong about it? And I think that that's 
That's where we should come in. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it feels a lot like he may have said something like out of frustration or anger. And then it seems kind of like the internet may be kind of overreacted like the internet is prone to do sometimes. The internet doesn't Um, give you a chance to have second thoughts about something you said. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I I hopefully that they will work it out and it will be positive. But we also got to accept that. We may never ever know the real sure. details yeah. about this sure. because we might not have even have a right to know what's going on. Like we, this I is mean, not our business. I mean, we don't. We yeah. don't have a right to know at all. Um, and you know, and then, not that we don't care, not that we don't give a shit, but I feel like yeah. there's still a chance for this to resolve in a way that everyone's happy, and we need to let that give it a chance at least for that to happen. You know. Yeah, I was going to talk about this later, but we, we are going to be taking like a little bit of a break. You know, next week we're gonna we're gonna take the week off. And I was telling Aubrey and Danielle, I was like, oh, no, everyone's going to think it's because of this fucking controversy (laughs) shit. You know, it actually has nothing to do with that. I'm moving. I actually mentioned online I was trying to figure out how to package up my Faribault statue. Oh, yeah. I was like, hey, I'm moving. How How do I pack this thing up? But anyway, I'm moving, and moving is just one of the shittiest, most frustrating life events that you can ever do. (laughs) And it really sucks. And so I just really need a week to... Um, move all my stuff and uh, I guess we could probably still do the show but it wouldn't be the way that I want to do it I wouldn't have enough time to do all my research I wouldn't have enough time to do all my editing I do edit the show a lot it's stressful you know we we're all sitting down at uh, at a table with chairs but (laughs) who's to say that we'll even have tables and chairs so yeah it's one of those things where it's like you're surrounded by a bunch of fucking stuff you're all stressed out trying you can't to find anything. No, and and that's not the friendly, yeah. relaxed Hellboy podcast way. Yeah, so. you know, I've already packed up my Hellboy podcast library and yeah. all my stuff. And so, you know, um, we are going to take a week off next week. But I just want to say it has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> We're still going to be doing the podcast. It's I told you have to have a disclaimer for internet yeah, fucking drama. It's, it, it's only because I have to move and I, I just really need to work on that. It's going to be a lot of work. It's a scene, man. And plus, aren't we actually going to be moving when we re- when we would normally be recording? Anyway? Exactly. So next weekend at our regular recording time, Aubrey is going to Aubrey has a truck and he's going to be helping me move some stuff. Literally, so. all three of us are going to be super miserable. Yes. So I'm sure you don't want to hear <laughs> anything we have to say while we're in that yeah, state of mind. We, we will not be reading Hellboy comics and talking to our friends next week, but we'll be back the week after that. And um, we'll have a great episode, and we're planning on continuing with the podcast we and everything. We should give everyone a uh, homework assignment for next week. I, I am. Oh, nice. We'll get to that. Oh, it's good. a surprise. Oh, wonderful. Okay. All right. <laughs> so now we're going to go on to some listener feedback. Hey, you damn guys. Is that a monkey? He's got a gun. Tech Pat De Sequoia said, Hey, you damn guys. Since Hellboy is a popular comic book character, he is obligated to have crossovers with other comic characters. The Goon, Batman, Ghost, just to name a few. Do y'all have a favorite crossover? Mine is the one shot he did with the supernatural fighting dogs and cats of Beast of Burden. And I have read that one. We, we haven't got to it, but we will in the future. I guess my favorite crossover, I like the one that he did with the goon. I do like that one a lot, and the Beast of Burden one is also good. I recently picked up the Hellboy Savage Dragon, 
one shot i found it at a comic book sale and so i was okay. checking out that one the other day it was pretty good too does eric larson do the art on that yeah it does oh. but the cover is by mignola oh i'd like to see eric larson's take on hellboy it's pretty good i actually don't have a favorite uh, because all the hellboy stuff has been um on everything i read for the podcast but there was this really cool image i saw that progredo did of hellboy and wolverine and oh, i was yeah. just like Okay, so that's a story that doesn't exist that would be kind of interesting to read. Yeah, that yeah. was um, it was a fan commission, right, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, but it's done in his like classic, like kind of like bluish, purpley water, like like his line and wash uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had a follow up question: If you could have Hellboy or other BPRD characters crossover with any fictional character of any media, who would it be? My answer: the Blind Swordsman Zatoichi. Thank you for your time. Keep making them podcasts, and I'll keep listening. I oh, love Zatoichi. Yeah, that would love be a great Zatoichi. crossover. That would be cool. That would be excellent. So what would be... So I guess I've always... I, I was thinking about this once because I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about weird head-to-head matches. You know what I mean? Like who would win in a battle? Oh, right. And I was trying to think who would be cool to put up against Hellboy. He probably would win, but I think it would be cool to see Hellboy fight the aliens. Oh, the Xenomorphs? Yeah, the Xenomorphs, oh. like the Queen Alien and shit like that. Oh, I think that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. I think I had that idea because I have the Queen Alien toy. Be pretty and good. I think I had it next to the Hellboy toy. And I was like, oh, that would be a great battle. That, w- that would be a cool crossover. You know, I-, I think that Hellboy would probably win, but it would be cool to see him get all overwhelmed. And then it would be cool to see like Mignola or one of these artists well, draw Well, it's an, it's an appropriate Hellboy. match because of the, you know, the that Geiger art is yeah. very, lends, itself, yeah. lends itself very well to the, uh, to the Ogdru Jihad those th- guys. The Ogdruhem. Ogdruhem, yeah. 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 Okay, so I had this, like, you know, random real quick thoughts right now. <laughs> if you kind of eat to see him cross over with, uh, like, Buffy or Supernatural. <laughs> that or, would be good. Because it's, yeah, the, or, the whole Scooby Gang deal. Or, uh, for sure. Doctor Who. Um, and uh, wa- I don't know any of the Doctor Who stuff. But oh, it's, sure. it's fun. But uh, okay. I'm just thinking random. And then the most random one is I'd like to see him on The Office. <laughs> it'd be great oh my god oh, somebody make great. that comic for us that's what about good. you danielle i you're saying a lot of things that i agree with that's that would be very good yeah like an office situation for sure <laughs> uh, like uh like seeing him and dwight together would be interesting oh man it's another like an ensemble because that that buffy is yeah. real, i mean it's perfect that's the very first thing it's I really because it's really that's really perfect like, yeah. the, like the Scooby could be his, absolutely could be his BPRD backup. Really good. <laughs> Any kind of ensemble show. Okay. Yeah. Like the X Files for sure. Oh, oh definitely. Like the X Files for yes, sure. Of course, duh. The like, X Files. Because like, okay, this the scene is Scully's like, "What's up, Mulder? You said you wanted me to come in and do something." And he's like, "Yeah, I uh, have someone I want you to meet. You know, <laughs> don't don't panic." And she's like, "How do I panic? You're being weird." And then he kind of steps out of the shadows a little bit and she's like okay kind of a deal and like the whole episode is they have to go on a investigation together right and you might see a couple of other agents come in like you know maybe skinner has to talk to daimyo or something oh that would be awesome or no it has to talk to fucking kate yeah would be amazing (laughs) kate and skinner i want the kate and skinner (sighs) spinoff they're both just so annoyed all the time (laughs) he's so good and then, uh, you know what I mean? Like that, I think that would be my dream team up for yeah. sure. That yeah. would be a good one. That's a great answer. Why didn't we think of that? 
Man. Last week we wondered with our friend Carlos Martinez about the date that Roger checked out his creator's medallion. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Father's Day every year that oh, Roger was no. alive. Oh, no. Oh, no. And wait. Oh, Didn't the no. skeleton crew tell us that? Yeah, that's coming from skeleton crew, from Israel Skeleton himself. Oh. And Carlos said, thanks for breaking my heart further. Oh, no. Oh. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Those little details. See, that's the thing. This is on the side of a box. Like, they put yes. so much care yeah. in these little details. It's a whole story. It's not just a... Ah, oh, here's a an right. item. You collect it. Take your fucking toy, you dumb nerds. <laughs> like, it's a very careful... You know what I mean? They're not just trying to cash in on, like, we can make a thing that looks like the thing in the comics. Nerds will love this. They'll yeah. buy it. You know, it's a very careful it's very each special, item is yes. yeah that has a whole story around it it's a it's a something that you can connect to it's very interesting the way they do that i really appreciate that yeah so make sure to check out skeleton crew and their replicas some feedback on hellboy in mexico ryan yule said i love the idea of your hellboy in mexico drinking game Unfortunately, I listened to the podcast on my commute to and from work, oh, no. so I was not able to participate. <laughs> Good. Don't drink and drive for Definitely sure. Don't. Yeah. yeah. But when you get home from work, yes, you have sh- a drink. You can have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> when I posted the teaser for Hell on Earth New World, Kevin Alford said, oh no, the darkness is coming. Colin DeGraff said, yes, yes, hell on earth has come. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Swinging my arms like a crazy, inflatable, flailing arm tube man. Oh, man. Joshua Worley <laughs> said, those covers, hell on earth is here. I've been waiting patiently for the club to get to this part of the series. By far and away the largest part of the BPRD cycle, but also some of the best, mainly because of who you're forced to live without as the series progresses and how good it all is. People are really fired up about this. And I'll be damned if I spoil any of it for you. Enjoy the ride. I know I did. And I can't wait to hear what you all think. And we had some feedback on the new world. Jerry Turnbull said, The guy we loved from the werewolf phone booth incident is showing his true colors more yeah, and more. He's <sighs> that little fucking twerp. <laughs> I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> he's such a fucking weenie. Colin DeGraff said, It's very clear that H.P. Lovecraft's fingerprints and tentacles are all over this volume. <laughs> Small towns abandoned under strange circumstances, beasts in the woods staring back at us, and damaged families preyed upon by cosmic entities who fill the voids in their hearts with chaotic and malicious intent. But there's something else evil afoot, and it's far more primal. In New World, we see survivors stripped of their humanity and devolving into egocentric survivalist state. The heroes have begun to drift away from each other, and their moralities are becoming increasingly self-absorbed. Everyone's motivations are their own. And they're more like a loose group of colleagues than the close-knit family that we've come to enjoy. With this falling inward emotionally, each character must also contend with the fact that the bodies they're hiding within aren't the ones of their choosing. This theme is made clear by Daimyo's reflection of his BPRD rampage. He was trapped behind the eyes of the were-jaguar, watching as it destroyed his men and friends. Abe's soul became trapped in his occult fish body. Daryl is now a feral wendigo. He has a mouth but cannot scream. Ponya is trapped in a feeble body generations past its prime, and Johan is a living ghost trapped in his state of undeath. Theme song for this volume, Peter Gabriel, My Body is a Cage. Could that be the song that's playing in his movie trailer? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why he put that in there. Huh. Okay. We'll have to look at that. Jan Nikla said... The best thing about Hell on Earth is that it's mostly a character study. How do people react when the apocalypse is close? Hell on Earth has you covered there. 
I find the Ogdru fetus interesting because it shows another side of them. Of course, it's still a man-eating monster, but it wants to protect its mom and its brother. So they seem to be able to socialize, to be more than a weapon. This fits with the most interesting bit about Aztec mummy in Hellboy in Mexico. Quetzalcoatl was a more benevolent god. So does this mean that the Ogdruhem can choose, that coexistence can be possible if they stopped eating their neighbors? Food for thought. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, because it grew like a fetus, so did it have more of kind of like a consciousness, or do are all of them like that? No you know, idea. maybe maybe they aren't just all mine. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's something to really kind of just. Techpad De Sequoia said, "I feverishly read Volume One and Two last night for the first time to be ready for you all. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, now he's kind of coming along members. board with us. Good job." Jason Abaddon said, I love that Abe and Ben have this super rare bros before the world relationship. I have a best friend like that. And if I became a were jaguar and had to live in the woods, he'd definitely bring me cigars and scotch. Probably the first real friend Abe had since Hellboy left. The monitor stuff with the talking heads reminded me of Watchmen, explaining the world without some preface page of exposition. We're learning how the world is coping just as the main characters are, since they are removed from society too. Regarding Johan being able to see several monitors at once, I wonder if it's like 360 degrees. I know that's maddening, but I think about all the bizarreness. Like, I wonder if Panya watches everyone through her animals that just happen to get loose and roam all over. <laughs> all the weird little, yeah, all the little abilities interacting with each other. Danielle mentioned how Abe does whatever he wants and he goes on his own. All the special agents do that. Yeah. Liz is just like, we don't need the U.S. military. Johan has and will just split on personal stuff. Yeah. And Abe just pissed off to Indonesia to fight Victorian cyborgs like Hellboy's legacy. The BPRD needs them as much as they need the Bureau, but they're pretty loose with the chain of command. New World has all my favorite story elements, an isolated natural setting, a limited cast, mystery, and a great monster. Two of my favorite movies, The Thing and The Ritual, follow this setup. If you missed either, you should definitely watch them. This story is a definite nod to the Dunwich Horror by Lovecraft. The story has a woman impregnated by a formless monster give birth to twins, one horrible and the other roughly human, and the monster one eats all the animals in the surrounding woods. It's a definite update with an amazing BPRD spin. And huh. he's, yeah, I thought that was awesome. I, I didn't know any of that. I didn't and, either. And w the last thing, and I'm, I'm going to try and share this this week. He says, Abe and Ben in the Woods is my favorite thing. I had, yeah. I had Tyler Crook paint this for my collection. And he has an awesome Tyler Crook commission oh, of cool. it's uh oh, it's wow. Abe and Daimyo sitting in front of the fire and they're like clinking their little oh, fun their little glasses together. What that's awesome! Yeah, it's really cool. So I'll post that. And um, it's Tyler Crook who does one of the yeah. stories. So he's an actual one of the artists. So awesome. I just love that. When I posted about Houston in the volcano, Jason Abaddon said, "That's what happens when you drink too much." Hellboy Book Club. <laughs> Ross Radke said, what "It looks yeah." <laughs> Ross Radke said, looks like we lost both of our home cities. R.I.P. Seattle. <laughs> Mark Tweedell said, I heard they got out thanks to a pink-haired teenager. Uh-huh. Techpad De Sequoia said, meh, they'll be fine. Colin DeGraff said, hmm, the podcast stopped recording after this episode. Strange thing that. Wait, is there a giant monster laying <laughs> eggs on my lawn? And Sarah Cole said... A special broadcast from deep inside hardened valleys carved by the unflinching claws of eternal damnation. Reading Hellboy <laughs> comics and talking with our friends. I thought that was the best comment. Thank you so much for that, Sarah Cole. And talking when I, to our friends, yeah. by the way. 
And when I posted Daryl jumping out, TechPat said, Daryl, were this a movie? This is the part where the audience would have cheered and applauded. And Jason Abaddon said, what does Daryl eat? Deer, maybe? Maybe a big plate of spaghetti? My shirt often looks like Daryl's chest once I'm done. Because <laughs> <laughs> he always has that big blood stain yeah. right there. Anyway, um, now we're going to get into our book club discussion for the week. This week we're talking about Hell on Earth, Gods. This was a three-issue miniseries published from January to March 2011. This is the second BPRD series to be part of the Hell on Earth arc of comics. The issues were published with covers by Ryan Sook. So this is the first time we've seen Ryan Sook since Hollow Earth, all that way back in Plague of Frogs Volume 1. And this first issue also had a variant cover, this awesome variant cover by Guy Davis, which we'll talk about later. Story by Mitniola and Arcudi. Art by Guy Davis, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. I really like this uh, cover with Phoenix. The, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix, whatever your name is. It's Phoenix. I know, but I want to make fun of it because I can. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like, I really like the way that the Texas is kind of burning and melting in the background. Oh, yeah. I oh, know. yeah. I just keep getting drawn to that. I just think it's a really cool. And I wanted to talk about the trade cover. I actually don't have the back issues for Monsters, and so I bought the trade when that came out. And it has this awesome Mignola cover that's got Abe in front of Texas, and it's like bleeding, and then you see those bat monsters in the background. It's one of my favorite covers of all time, and I've been looking for a textless version of this. I haven't been able to find one. Oh, man. There's There's like a French print that I keep seeing pop up on eBay, and it is a textless version of this, but they want like $75 for it. Right. And I don't even know if it's legit. Right. Like if it's a legit print. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was trying to figure that out, but you it's kind of hard a, to tell wanna, from the picture. You don't anyway. want to pay money for a bootleg because that's, first of all, that's like, yeah. it's, it's morally fucking wrong right. to do that because these artists, you know, they they rely on that to live. Right. Like it's, that's their whole thing is they do art for a fucking living, so. If anyone knows where to get a textless version of that cover, though, I'd love to that have that as like, my phone. That is a legitimate source and not a fucking somebody yeah. ripping off the actual artist. Yeah. All right. So chapter one, we open in this train yard and these two security guards, they have this um, Rottweiler, right? Is that the type of dog that is? Yeah, that is a definitely a Rottweiler. They're kind of like looking for people. One of the things that I thought was interesting, because this guy was like, we haven't found one one writer this week, and the other guy's like, keep hope alive. Like, keep hope alive that they catch people. I just thought that was kind of, I guess these are bad guys or whatever. You guess? Yeah. He fucking calls someone a, a beaner. Oh, that's right. And yeah, beats yeah. him in the face. Yeah, they're <laughs> bad guys. So anyway, these are some bad guys, and they look through the train car, and they find this couple. They find this um, boy and this girl in there. So I was trying to keep track of the name. So this Mohawk guy, this is Jorge, and then the and then the other one is Phoenix. And so the dog starts barking at him, and Jorge comes out, and just as he's trying to talk to the guy, yeah, they beat him in the head. They just start beating him. They, they and call him a beaner. No really, free ride out of hell for you. It's really interesting how <laughs> there's this horrific fucking disaster. Right. A volcano and a bunch of monsters explodes the city of Houston and the surrounding areas, and... He's like, how dare you try to escape a disaster? Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> not, you, not on my watch. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is that about? That is so fucking weird. It's like, but I mean, we saw that with Katrina, right? Like, all these people oh, yeah, tried to come sure. 
in yeah. Houston from New Orleans, and everyone was like, how dare you try right, to escape a thing you yeah. had no control over? You lost your home and some family members. How dare you? Like, are you insane? What the right, fuck? Yeah. Right. That is so weird. I mean, anyway, I found this opening very weird. Yeah. It, it, it felt like it was like the kind of guys who are security guards who just like really, really take their job way too serious. There's no way they get paid enough. They're itching no, to no. do just that. Yeah, they, yeah. People. Well, They're absolutely. itching to just get into some shit. Exactly. They're the kind of people that are drawn to like. What's interesting though is that like this that. guy is being extra racist, but it seems like his partner, you know. A man of color, yeah. A man yeah. of color, which is like weird. Like, why? I don't know. The whole thing is very odd. Yeah. Do we know if they like have any like possessions from like uh, Leandro Ham on these guys? I don't know. Like, oh right, yeah, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I would not like saying... to be able to excuse this behavior no, by no, like no, possession not... by a monster, but it looks like they're just assholes. Well, I'm not saying that they're not. <laughs> I, I bet they are assholes no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, but I mean, I was wondering if like possession could be amping up their assholeness. I have right, no idea. Right, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, somebody says enough of that, and these all these other people start to surround them. All the DIY punk kids, right? So that's the rest of their crew face the cops. And this guy, you know, he starts to back off the security guard. He tries to get his gun, and just as he tries to get it, Jorge takes his gun. He pushes him towards the crowd of people, and he says, "Chew him up." Yeah. And they all just start beating him. And this panel in the middle, Guy Davis does such an awesome job of like all the motion of these people yeah, and everything. It's, it's really it's difficult to not make a scene like that look static, like people right. are just posing. Yeah. But he, yeah, like you said, he does a great job of making it look like there's a lot of motion involved, and in that it's it's an action scene. Like it's it's really nice. Yeah, they got this security guy on the ground, and they're just like stomping him and everything. And then somebody says, "Stop! Let him go." And we turn around and it's Phoenix and she's like coughing and she just kind of walks off. Why are you looking at me, man? You heard her, Jorge says to the others. So they all listen to her. We, we get the idea here that everybody here is listening to this one girl. Right. That's actually a really good indicator of how much control you have over a group of people. If like because when there's a like a mob mentality or, right, a riot, yeah. or like there's when there's some kind of a, a mob of people who are beating someone up and it's easy for to get carried away in the moment of like. Oh, the the violence made me and put me in a right, state of mind yeah. where I wasn't in control. I didn't know what I was doing, and it got out of hand. If someone can just be like, "Hey, cut it out," and everyone stops what they're doing, that is crowd control. Like, yeah, that yeah. is really yeah. That's noticeable. In the next scene, this guy Willis he comes up to Jorge and he's got this bottle of cough syrup. He says, "Just cough syrup, like I told you. Only drugstore in this town. Scripts are under lock and key." And so they, you know, he gives it to Jorge and this guy, Willis, we get the idea that he's a new guy. He's like, what's that about anyway? 16 year old girl telling everybody what to do. Jorge's like, you don't like it. And he's like, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm just thinking, what's the deal? And we're also thinking that too, as we read this scene, Jorge brings the cough syrup to Phoenix. And I really like the way Guy Davis draws her in this top panel. She just starts chugging it. He's he's like, hey, hold on. That's no cherry Coke you got there. (laughs) You can tell how important someone's going to be to the plot by how uh, detailed they get on the close-up of, oh, their, yeah. of yeah. their face. So we've got a really lovely portrait here, almost a, a Liz-like portrait. Yeah. Jorge checks her, and he says that she's burning up. This stuff won't do you no good. I'm tired of this. We're going to need a doctor, but she doesn't want to go to the doctor. She says they need to find a place where they can go tonight. And so this guy, Willis, he comes up and he's like, I keep telling you, I know this town inside and out and walking is for suckers. 
On the next scene, Willis and the guys, they've hotwired a car, and I guess Willis is taking them to a spot that he knows. And while they're driving, Phoenix is asleep in the back seat, and Willis asks Jorge to tell them, you know, what's going on with Joan of Arc back there. He's like, I've earned it, haven't I? Yeah, I guess. Okay, we were in Houston two weeks ago. Me, Phoenix, Dingo, and some others. And we were headed to Galveston, but Phoenix had some kind of fit. North, we've got to go north, she yelled. She wouldn't calm down until we hopped a train for Austin. Thank God. And we see that, you know, right after they left, they see the the city going up uh, in the volcano and everything. And just that panel itself is really crazy and powerful looking. Yeah. And so they're all on the train. You know, she'd always been psychic, always a little ahead of everybody. But that, that was another thing. Damn, lucky break for you guys, Willis said. You know, I heard animals can sense stuff like that too, earthquakes and stuff. Week later, we all thought we were safe when we got to San Angelo, but Phoenix kept us moving. Somehow she knew all about what was coming our way. And we see these awesome monsters. I love this. <laughs> so we these are, I don't think we've seen these monsters before, but they have like these kind of bat ear faces. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> That's like. A- that's a great way to describe it. I, I think that's how they're described in the sketchbook, but I just really like these monsters. We're going to see a lot more of these guys. Yeah, Davis just really great monsters. I know, just so awesome. The monster designs just keep getting better. Yeah, I heard about those mothers, Willis says. Ever since the volcano blew in Houston, they've been showing up. Doesn't exactly take a genius to realize you better keep moving to stay ahead of those things. Just clear thinking, right? So Willis keeps trying to rationalize like how right. Phoenix is able to do all this. He's like, well, no shit you'd want to stay away from monsters. Right, but like, right. She's, there's clearly some precognition going on. Jorge also says that Phoenix always knows where they can find free food or at least drinkable water, even in the desert. Anyway, it's not just me. We've been picking up folks along the way who feel it, too. They feel her presence. They follow her. Willis says, like, Heaven's Gate, right? And so Heaven's mm, Gate yeah. was... Uh, it was one of those um, cult things where everybody died, right? Doomsday cult. They yeah. um, thought they were going to board a comet, and right. so they all wore identical clothes. And they didn't just die. They all they all killed put, themselves. Well, sure, yeah. They put bags over their heads, and I think one person was left to um, make sure everybody went through with it, and then yeah. they killed themselves in a different way. I can't remember. Well, was it bags or poison? I can't that was the remember. One I think one it was, was, a, think it was oh, yeah. a combo. Right. That was the one where they all had the same shoes, right? Like they yeah. all had some... Oh, they were wearing the exact same outfit. Right, yeah. yeah. And I think... Cults, man. They castrated themselves. Right, or I know the main guy was. Yeah. Anyway, that's a weird detail, but Watch yeah. out for cults. Yeah. Yes. Don't do the cults. Don't do cults. Not even once. And th- I thought that was kind of funny because Jorge's like, heaven's what? And he's like, nothing. Because they're kind of like, a, you know, does he not tell them because he doesn't want to say, like, you all are kind of like a weird cult? But it's, they're not, though. Right. Are they? Like, it, they don't seem like a cult. It but just this, seems guy like Willis she's... Is, well, this guy Willis is skeptical, though. Right, right, right. He's He's looking at it from the outside and he's like, oh, what if this is a weird cult? But, like basically all it is is she's like oh we gotta get out of here or we're all gonna die and then like they get out of there and then the entire city explodes right so it seems like i don't see anything cultish i just see someone like we gotta get out of here or we're gonna die and then like if they hadn't have gotten out of there they would have died right yeah so well i i, I took it as that he was all like you know never mind not because of anything other than like you know he just didn't want to have to go to explaining because right. he didn't really know much about heaven's oh, right, to yeah. begin with. and these kids seem kind of young and they probably wouldn't have been if they had been born, they would have been like really young at the time, like we yeah. mean before five years right. old. Right. So I think he was just more of a, eh, don't I don't worry about get it. Into that, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and the, she's not really making any kinds of decrees other than we have to leave right. or we will yeah. die. So yeah. I feel like, if she, you know, I guess I think for a cult for me has to have a whole lot. There's there's a lot of criteria that you got to check off the checklist for right. that to be a thing. Yeah. And Willis, he takes them to this abandoned school. Empty for years. Kids all go to the high school next town over. Room for everybody. High walls give us cover from the street. And you two can stay in the locker rooms. Little privacy be nice, right? And Phoenix just says no. And he's like, what? You got to be kidding me. Give me one good reason. And Jorge says, we don't need a reason. We're just not staying here. And he goes, you mean you aren't? So then we cut to... That's the thing is you would think the reason is because we're going to die if we stay here. Right. Like, that's, is that not a good enough reason? Well, I felt like he was explaining it to him all yeah. the way over there. And he just kept dismissing <laughs> Yeah, he's it. not listening. Yeah. Also, I know we say this often, but I want to go ahead and and uh, shout out the colors here. Not because there's anything super spectacular, oh, yeah. but because there really isn't. And yeah. that's the thing is that you're not supposed to fucking notice. Right. If they're doing such a good job that you that it's ju- it you know it it's supposed to take you into the story and let you forget that you're even reading a right. fucking comic. So like. Just the subtleties of the lighting on their faces and their hair and their jackets and the sky and the buildings and all yeah, this right. stuff. Like, there's some rust over here. There's a stain on his jacket. Her hair is well lit. Their faces are all well lit. It's just a very... He's doing such a good job of coloring this comic that you don't even really notice. Sure. Which is just a beautiful... It's gorgeous. It's like a watercolor painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been actually just like enjoying the hell out of the... Yeah. Uh, out of the Dave Stewart. I've got Davis... This amazing, beautiful artwork. But yeah, yeah, you're the, right, but it doesn't. Yeah. But it doesn't do anything flashy to stand It doesn't out. take you out of the story. It yeah. puts you into the story, yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. it's everything. It's the the mood of it. You know, he really creates these moods with his uh, mm-hmm. color palettes and all the different textures and tones and and the way that you know the lighting and the. I'm gonna say it again, texture like the the, br- the brushes he comes up with and the way right, that he yeah. uses them and the you know because he colors in Photoshop, does he not? He does. He paints yeah, in Photoshop. and we saw, I think when we were watching that video, I talked about it on a previous episode, he has his own textures, yeah. right? Yeah. He has custom textures that he uses to color. Well, I do that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, not that I'm anywhere near like this guy's level, but I, I just, I really appreciate, you know, the style, like even the, the cloud, everything is so subtle, but it's so, it's appropriate. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Lots of, uh, well, most of the great artists who use Photoshop will actually make their own custom brushes. Yeah. Nice. We cut to this community pool, and so the rest of the team are there, or the rest of the kids are there, and we see Phoenix. She's asleep with the Rottweiler, so now she took that Rottweiler that was tracking them down in that first scene. Sweet baby. That's because he's a good boy. He knows to go with him. He's a good boy. And they're asleep. What is this guy's name? Jorge is talking to Dingo. And he's telling them about everything that happened earlier with that guy trying to take him to that school and everything. Where is Dingo getting his hair gel from? Because I know, I just... right? <laughs> it might just be like dirty and weird. Yeah, that's like what when I was my, say, when my yeah. hair gets all funky, it just starts it to do out. stupid shit like that. <laughs> it really does. You should see it sometime. <laughs> no. And Jorge, he's starting to get a little worried because Phoenix is sick and. Now her new friend won't let us get near her, the dog that he's talking about. I like how the dog has like got his head rested on her and like legs and all that. Yeah. Oh, so That's cute. what dogs do. Super oh, yeah. cute, yeah. Yeah, my dog was doing that to me right before I came over here and I'm like, sorry, donkey, gotta go. <laughs> my mom's dogs are gigantic. They're two boxers. They're huge. And they think they're little, I guess, because right. they try to climb in your lap and it's like you guys weigh as much as I do, please. <laughs> Why are you doing this? But they think they're little puppies. Oh yeah. 
Dingo's worried because they're out in the open and he feels like anyone can come down on their asses. But Jorge says, no, you don't got to worry about that. And he's still got the gun from earlier in that earlier scene. We no, cut back. No, I mean, you still have to worry about that just because you have one gun. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> protected. And uh, we cut back to the school. We see this guy, Willis. He's enjoying it, being in the locker rooms by himself. He's uh, setting down for a rest. Look at the rust on the lockers. Yeah. He starts dozing off. Well, we don't know this. We, we don't know that this is a dream sequence, but it kind of cuts to him breaking into another car, hot wiring that car. And then driving off, he runs into the cops and he's like... Real Explodes c- through them like yeah, an action he just, movie. He just yeah. runs through them. And no damage to his car whatsoever. And the <laughs> lights are so awesome. The co- You were talking about the colors. Oh, yeah, the lights right. on all the cop cars and on the car in the top panel. And it's, Honestly, it's colored like, like cinematically. Right. Like a movie yeah. or TV show. It's really interesting. Sorry. Yeah. And he's like laughing about going through all that cop barricade. And then someone puts a hand on his shoulder, and then all of a sudden he's in a football field. There's these cops behind him, and they start transforming into those bat monsters or whatever. Well, they have Abe eyes, and then they look like monsters. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, first they have these big blue eyes, kind of like Abe. Yeah. And then he freaks out, and then he wakes up. So that was all a dream. And I I mean, you kind of had to understand that it was a dream anyway, because at one moment he's in the car, and then the next moment he's in a football field. So it's kind of like... Yeah, okay, so when I was reading it, I was just like, ah, he must have realized, get the fuck out of there fast. Right. (laughs) And then, okay, that's going, and then, and then, okay, now he's in a football field? What the fuck? But it's like. Dream sequence. Yeah. (laughs) But it, but it almost made me think like, Phoenix said that that place wasn't good, and then now he has this crazy dream. Yeah. Like, that's almost like a... He's getting a sense to. Kind of, yeah, being sensitive to it a little. He gets up, and he's like looking around. We get some thought bubbles. He's kind of wondering who's there. He can see somebody coming. There's a light up ahead. Oh, God, no. And we reveal that it's Abe. And so Abe is holding his gun on him. And that's how that issue ends. And I just really like this panel with Abe. It's a really yeah. nice dramatic reveal. Yeah. When I turned the panel, I saw Abe. I, the layout with Abe standing there with his gun out, the yeah, flashlight on his dramatic. chest. It's a very well laid out um, panel. And Guy Davis should be praised at every yes. time. I don't know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Chapter two. And we get this awesome Ryan Suk Shanshin. We get Shanshin and the monster. Awesome. We We see that little relic that we saw from born again and the black flame and we get this scene with kate devon and oh, Abe. workplace drama and i i just want to talk about this before we talk about it because this is one of the things that i forgot to talk about last week these character moments last week we had this great scene with kate johan and panya yeah and then this week we have this great scene with kate johan so and, excited uh, with kate abe and devon and i just like these are some of the best parts yes. of these stories. When you're watching just, you know. a show or something or reading a book, you know, and then like, ah, uh, there's drama between some of the characters. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. It's, it's horrible. Really it's, it's really, really horrible. Good. But yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, I want them to yell at each other <laughs> and fight and be real mad. And it's great. It's really interesting. And so we get this first panel. Abe's just standing there with his arm crossed because he, he won't sit down, right? She's like, please sit down. We can't put this off any longer. And he's like, I can talk standing up. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, I you wouldn't can... be putting up with that shit either. Yeah. Though. To and be you can fair, be just as like, much uh... of an asshole sitting down. Yeah. Now sit. 
hate. And so Devon's like, see, he plays his intimidation tactics all the time. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Devon. Fucking little wiener. And Kate says, Devon, I should have told you this a long time ago. You're an idiot and a child. Yes. I can't put up with this crap from you anymore. Abe's been with the Bureau for longer than you've been alive. The, these And these are all things that we are thinking, are yeah. they not? Like, <laughs> yes. these are all the things we wish we could say to Devon, and here she's saying it. It's very satisfying. I don't know about you, but... I was very satisfied with that. Yes. This, this uh this top panel when she's got her hand on her head and yeah, after he says this after Devin says his intimidation tactic. He's like, like she's all like, whining. She's like, Oh for God's sake. Yes. So whiny. Oh, I love it. And Devon says, You're acting as if this has never happened before. As if it didn't happen to Captain Daimyo, but it did. A lifer marine who had a high government clearance, and he didn't even know he was a monster. You didn't see how Abe reacted. Didn't he, though? I don't think they knew that he knew. Or Devin didn't know. Right. They they don't know that he knew. Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. But it did seem like he was... It did seem like he was trying to take efforts to prevent it. That's what I'm saying, is that he... I think he did know. Anyway, whatever. You didn't see how Abe reacted when that... That burning skull guy told him he was going to be king of the new world order. Abe didn't tell the guy to screw himself. He just got real quiet. And his face, I'm telling you, he looked as if he was into it. I'm not making this up, okay? It happened. Just ask him yourself. Oh, fucking dick. No, Devin, you may not be making it up, but you're definitely misreading the scene. Yeah, right. why don't you just like, talk to your friend about it? Can't you just be like, hey, that was some, that was some wild shit that happened. Or, how are you feeling about it? No, he immediately jumps straight to right abe is a fucking conspiracy like what the shit man and abe says when he pointed out how much i really am like the frogs that brought up a fear i've been trying not to have for 15 years i got spooked that's what you saw i shouldn't have but i did i don't really expect you to understand it but that's all it was fear yeah okay and i totally identify with this like if there's something that you're harboring deep inside you that you don't even dare speak aloud to anyone else because it's having that much of a negative impact on you. And you're like, oh, uh, I have so much fear and anxiety wrapped around this one thing. I obsess over it day and night. I have so much fear attached to it. And then when somebody outside of you expresses this thing that, in fact, you should be afraid of this because it's right. That would fuck anyone up. Yeah. That would make you... what You wouldn't know what to say to that. You would be stopped dead in your tracks. There's like this fight flight or freeze kind of a thing and sometimes people fucking freeze right and that's a totally normal reaction yeah and Devin over here doesn't even bother to try and find out how abe actually feels about it and abe is like okay yeah you want to know how i feel here's something embarrassing right about myself you know and that's a really i don't know i think that this is all like you said this is all very natural character building it yeah. feels good because we can identify with all of these people at some point in time we can identify with kate we can identify with abe and sure i think sometimes we've had these devon moments where we're acting out of yeah fear instead of trying to find out what other people feel and it's it's interesting because wherever we are currently we can have different reactions to these different people so i think that that's really i love the way that uh the the various writers yes. on this project have, and Arcudi. have come to express this. Yeah. I wonder if he would have tried the same kind of crap with Hellboy because, you know, we've seen Hellboy oh grow God. the horns and punk on the beast of the apocalypse. <laughs> Devin would probably shit a brick. Oh, man. <laughs> it's interesting that they take the time to bother right. to let these character moments breathe. Yes. And and really, because because without attachment, without emotional attachment to these characters, What's the fucking point? Yeah. What's right. the point of these stories you're trying to tell? So, like, the fact that they 
the fact that they set aside these these scenes for these characters mm-hmm. is really unique. Yeah. They don't gloss over how these characters are feeling. Devon says, hey, I gave you my reasons for taking this so seriously. Captain Daimyo. And Kate goes, don't. Don't you bring him up again. Listen to me. You were a scholar, but you wanted to be a field agent, so I took a chance. I took a chance on you. Don't make me regret it. And he's like, what does that mean? Field agents need to trust each other out there, and your suspicions make everybody suspicious. I can't have that. It won't work, Kate says. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because, you know, when you're out there in the field, you have to have the people you trust with you, and if you have one person being suspicious of Undermining the respect and the trust that you have in the team leader. It it causes the whole unit to fall, and he really needs to stop trying to bring up Daimyo as his, like, reasoning. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's like apples and oranges. Even though, I mean, I guess it's not, but... If he can't handle it, he shouldn't be working in this division. Sure. Exactly. And Kate says that Abe never made any counter-accusations against Devon. No, just asked you to fire me once a week, he says. And she's like, well, if I find... being a dick. She's like, well, if I find myself having to choose, and he's like, all right, all right. I get it. I took it too far. I was scared myself, okay? Abe, I hope you understand this was never personal, because Kate's right. You have been straight. With her and with me. Fuck you. Devon sticks out his hand to shake Abe's hand, and he just turns his back on him. Fuck that guy. Isn't there a debriefing we need to get to, he says. Yeah, just the look, like, when Abe is, like, walking out, and he's got his hand up, and he's just, like, then he turns, and he looks at him, and you said it perfectly, fuck you. I have no reason to shake your hand. Ridiculous. I mean, he's just like, oh, I took it too, you took calling him the Antichrist way too far? (laughs) Yes. You think? And and I feel like I like the bringer of the apocalypse or whatever the fuck, but it's right. like none of that is flattering, and it's very like all of a sudden I don't trust you. Like what the shit? Right. I have we have been in so many missions together. What is your fucking problem? And I think also Devon may be only doing this because Kate's there and she's bitching him out. You know Absolutely, what I mean? a thousand percent. It's, it's, That's what cowards do. I don't know oh, that it's a real. Agree. It's a real change. No, of heart. not at all. And Abe sees right through that bullshit. He's like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, I no. mean, you can't be all like bitchy, bitchy, bitchy. Oh well, I guess we'll shake hands because I don't want to get fired. Oh well, he was just asking to fire me. Well, yeah, of course, because he cannot fucking work with someone who's saying, "Hey, I think you're trying to cause the apocalypse on purpose." Right. Who would want to work with that person? We cut to the. Com- command center where they're getting debriefed by the un guy and behind him on the monitor we see that giant creature from the salton sea and we see houston going up in (laughs) in the the volcano i love this fucking nerd he's like doing a powerpoint presentation he's got his yeah he's like (laughs) is and the the visuals are so extreme and all and his opening gambit is this is a changing world. Like he's giving a fucking TED talk or some shit. It's so vague. This is a changing world. Are you kidding? Uh, yes. It feels more like... Um, incredible. Oh, man. So incredible. So many meetings I had to go to with the death by PowerPoint. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It starts off like that. Like, I'm not saying he should be inflammatory. I'm just saying, like, it's just very... It's a good moment. It's a good beat. Yeah. It's. I found that... I found that funny. Oh yeah, I mean, it it, it 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 brings back the whole like real worldness of it right. because this is kind of how it's really good. really go in the world. And I I I want to say that that's an on purpose joke, which I really appreciate because yeah. I think we've all been there. <laughs> and the UN guy, he's talking to Abe, Kate, Devon, and Johan, and he's telling them that as the cities are disappearing, there's been an, an increasingly large nomadic population. 
We're seeing, in fact, a rise of a kind of Bedouin class, as tightly knit and as wary of strangers as the analogy suggests. <laughs> Look how Abe has no patience for this at all. Yeah, he's like, what the hell is this, a sociology class? <laughs> it's great. But so the Bedouin class, these are these nomadic Arabian peoples. I know what Bedouin are. Yeah, but our listeners might not know. Oh, okay. The UN guy, he points out Phoenix. She's becoming a sort of legend among these Bedouins a large number of whom she is reported to have saved from the Houston disaster through an uncanny second sight. And Devon goes, cute for a legend. Isn't she like a little girl? It's really inappropriate. Isn't she like a teenager? And this is a mission. (laughs) This is not your... That is so weird. He's so weird. Anyway, I I thought... I thought she was like, what, 15, 16 years old? (laughs) And anyway, so... He says, uh, do we know her name? Indeed we do. These are all over Texas. And we see the graffiti. It says, Phoenix saw this coming. F-E-N-I-X. Are they all misspelled? Devon says. So they talk about that, too. So weird. And we were talking about that before the podcast started. See, you guys already started talking about it. So, But I think that we were wondering a little bit earlier why they mention this about how her name is spelled differently yeah, and all this like kind a, of stuff. It doesn't seem but like I, an addition we needed. In but I think dialogue. that there is a pronunciation of Fenix. I think that there oh. is another. I'm not sure. But I know there's a Fenix. No, Fenix Fox. Never mind. Okay. Well, well, when I was reading it until I got to this page, I kept reading her name as Fenix. Right. And then all of a sudden, the, the way he says, like, yeah, she's supposed to with an F and not an O. And I was just like... Why is there an O in Phoenix? See, I was always pronouncing it Phoenix because so, I just assumed it was one of those trendy names. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, you know, because I probably heard of a Phoenix before and that's probably why. Oh, okay. Right on. We went there. See. And also, don't, don't do trendy names like that. <laughs> <laughs> Corblin. <laughs> and, uh,. Johan says, what makes the Bureau so sure of her prescience? Are we to trot out after every teenager because of coincidence? This seems rash. But the UN guy says, this new segment of the population, these Bedouins, they don't have a very high survival rate in that area, except the ones following this Phoenix girl. I feel like, why are they doubting this? They've seen so much paranormal shit. Right, yeah. Why are they like, all of a sudden they're skeptics now? It's very weird reaction. I think it might be kind of a reaction compared to what they were talking about in the last story where Kate was like, we have to run down all these oh, leads that don't mean shit. you're right. right yeah. You know what? Yeah. You're completely right. I think that now they're so sick of... You're you're right. They're so sick of running down all these ridiculously small leads that don't add up to anything. That turn out to be a frat that party. Now, <laughs> that now exactly he's begging them to be like, look, are we sure that this is the thing we need to follow? Right. No, you're right. That's actually, and, they, yeah. they, they, they did set this up. I uh, wasn't paying close enough attention to it. That's a good point, Aubrey. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, it follows there the are narrative. these giant monsters destroying Seattle and They've set this the Salt and Sea monster, and then yeah. they're like, oh, go find this little purple-haired girl. Right, yeah. right, right, right. The UN guy also says she's becoming a legend because her followers have all survived long enough to talk about her. And it's not just the Houston incident, but the aftermath as well. Maybe the Bureau would have been willing to ignore that at one time, but the UN is not. And Abe's like, uh-oh, look who's here. Yes, Professor O'Donnell. Oh, boy, Kate says. Yay, <laughs> I love him. I love Professor O'Donnell. He's my favorite. He's yeah, my fave. so they come buddy. in. It was so nice to see him pop up. He's great. I get so excited to see him. He goes, Professor O'Donnell, what can we help you with? His face in the second panel yeah. is my absolute <laughs> favorite. I just... I absolutely I need I need a sketch of him. <laughs> I love this. And he says, "You don't know what's going on in Texas. It all happened before and now it's happening again. Hyperborea. That really happened, you know. 
back before the secrets of the universe were secret. Yes. They knew everything. It didn't last. And we get these awesome depictions of so Hyperborea by Guy good. Davis. And we see like in one panel, it's awesome. And there's that statue that they had the right hand in, yeah. right? Professor O'Donnell showing up always means that we get a fucking badass exposition right. flashback, which I love. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love O'Donnell. I mean, but he, he it's like he's learned so much, but his mind cracked. <laughs> but it's still filled with knowledge. <laughs> it's my, probably my favorite one. The knowledge and all that power is so much. And they thought paradise couldn't crumble away. Would never, but it did. You know that story. You've heard it before, but you haven't heard them all. The Ogdruhem, they were in prison, some of them here on Earth. Some of their brethren, their spirits, were trapped without any form at all. Without the Hyperboreans to keep them away, those ghost creatures started to break through. These panels are so great. And we've seen this kind of depiction before. Just on the last yeah, story. Yeah, and New I, I want to just reiterate how much I love this stylized, the way that they did this. Um, well, obviously, the sketch is incredible right. itself, so the original art is ama- as amazing, the Guy Davis art. But also, of course, the Dave Stewart, the way that he did this was very... It could be a like a lino cut print. Right, It yeah. really looks good. I like it yeah. a lot. Anyway. And sorry. I thought this was interesting, too, because he's saying it happened before and it hap- and now it's happening again. Right. And we did see that it's hap- these kind of things are happening, where these spirits, these um, spirits that are trapped in the nowhere or whatever are coming yeah. through. It's yeah. horrible moose monster that ends up happening yeah i love that i love that ogdraham moose oh, it's they, horrible they didn't try to hide they found new homes in the beasts on earth and then we see it immediately get blasted with this the real um, fire the hyperborgans were powerful i said that and some priests survived the fall remained to send the ogdraham away again because they knew what was coming and we see all the hey, neanderthals and early man yep that's that's the podcast crew right there, yeah, there we right are. off screen we've got our microphones <laughs> new homes for the phantoms to hide in better homes for the resurrection of their progeny of the Jihad. that's what the next race of man could be a young race still weak like children and we see, so these leftover Hyperboreans are worried that all the Audrahim are going to break through and infect all the early man. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because we're susceptible. Yeah. And like children, curious and clever and malleable. Who would shape them? A new world, a world without these watchers, without kings. So who would raise these children to take control? And control of what? And we see this one kid, I guess like his parent gets killed by a saber-toothed tiger. And he runs off and he comes across the ruins of Hyperborea. He runs uh, away to become a shaman. Right. And as he looks, he runs away to become Shanchen. And he finds an old priest. The priests were strong. I said that. They weren't going to live forever, though. They were fading. There were some things, and they knew this, some things that could be around for as long as there was a world, like the mysterious Vril energy. And we show the priest, he's showing this kid how to how the real fire works. And he's also showing him like all these scrolls. And he shows him that little... He's um, passing down the knowledge of yeah. the shamans. And knowledge too and ideas. They can be taught. Thought can live in any mind. There are things that couldn't be taught, not to a mind or to a pair of hands. But there were tools. There are always tools. Tools that could make any man every inch the warrior that was needed. No, I said that wrong. That isn't right. Not any man, not just any man, only a very, very few. That's the thing about shamanism is is there's um you know there's a point in in time in, in human history where you've got you know maybe you've got a village of people or you've got a a group of people they're all uh, they're like how come this happens how come this is happening what do we do about this you know and 
you know, there weren't things like doctors. There weren't things like therapists. There weren't mm-hmm. things to deal with the uh, unexplainable or any kind of, you know, magician stuff. And so the shaman class arose out of, hey, there's this one guy in the village who's super weird. Okay, it's going to be your job. It's going to be your job to live on the edge of the village. We're going to make you a little hut on the edge of the village, and you go over there and you be weird. That's your job, to go be weird. And then you're going to help us with all the, uh, you know, divinatory stuff. You're going to help us with all that because that's your whole job. And so they made it a whole job out of being a weirdo who was could permeate and was susceptible to these other things that not everybody could parse. And so it was like this guy's job to be weird and handle all of that. And uh, so this is like basically just telling the tale of the shaman class, which I think is just so awesome to finally see them say it out loud. Like, yeah. And by the way, there, there was a name for this job. It was shaman. (laughs) It's so important. It's such an important thing. And I think that it, the fact that it's, um, they made it integral to this story. Right. Is very, yeah, it's I love it's, it. It's perfect. It makes it a whole story. It's great to get all these cutbacks to everything that we've talked about. And we see that they're putting the left hand right on his head. And that's a story you didn't know. Part of it, part of the story. The new priests, the shamans, they live their nomadic mission. Not doing what you say. Not avoiding evil. Because when enough of the Ogdraham returned, they would call back the Ogdrahad. The shamans couldn't run away from that. And we see they have this guy. He's like tied up. And one of these guys is trying to free him, but then Shanshin says, step away. So, and actually, so as we've been seeing this, this story, he's gone from a young kid to yeah. now he's an old man and he's the Shanshin that we've seen in um, some previous stories. Well, and the whole, the whole point that they're, that Professor Donald is making about, oh, uh, you know, most people spend all their time trying to, trying to avoid evil, trying to avoid and run from right. the darkness and stuff and like. That's their fucking job. The shaman's job is to confront it head on sure. and live in that darkness and be like, look, it's here. We have to deal with it. Right. This is how we're going to deal with it. And that's, you know, that's their whole fucking thing is to have that power and knowledge right. and, and and use it for the good of everyone else. And I think that that's another. They just do such a good job. I'm just yeah, so excited about the way that they're doing this story. It's incredible. They're trying to cut down this guy, but Shanshan says not to. And then this guy starts talking, and like he's colored all weird, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. He's like all like blue, kind of with these like well, he's red already veins. Dead, probably, but he's just like the husk now of the guy. Oh yeah, right. you know what yeah. I mean. And so he says, "Your priest is wise. He sees. He is the one who has the eyes to see." So then I must suck them from his head, and he turns into this Whoa. awesome monster. And so this is that monster from Born Again, right? Yeah, and he squishes that guy. He does. He squishes that guy. So. One of our listeners, Jason Abaddon, talked about this. That monster from Born Again, we kind of see this is where Shanshin fights him. And the monster is so awesome. He has a great design. It's good to see him fully realized. Um, We just saw him kind of half realized in that one story. I like the way he talks. He's clearly speaking a language that we cannot comprehend, but the shaman is understanding it through kind of a veiled sort of uh it's like a well in the in born again he talks too and they could understand him right but that's what i'm saying is that it's that's probably not how oh, he's okay. talking it's probably just like the way they're perceiving it in their I mind see. so the quote-unquote translation is kind of yeah you know that's like the closest you can get to the idea so that's like language is in and of itself like an entity 
and can be right. parsed in different ways. Hmm. So like that's how he's like this interdimensional creature. So he's trying to communicate this thing, and since there's probably no words right for it, like it ends up being little big eyes. Yeah, and like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, will you gibber at me like the others? Little big eyes. Like just right. the way that he. Yeah, I love that they took the care that that they took care in making sure that he communicated in kind of a weird way. Right. Yeah, and he says. All you monkeys think you're special, that you're different. Look at me, little big eyes. Look at me to see what is special. And he just gets blasted, right? And I love how everybody's scared, but Shanshan is just like, he's just very still. He's kind of like bowing in front of it. And then he just blasts it with this real power. Your name, little rat. Tell me your name so that I can find your soul in your puny hell and eat it. Tell me, and he whispers Shanchen, and then he just sends this huge blast, just blows away everything, and it sends it all into rubble. So that's how you that thing probably got sent you. Yeah, yeah. that's how probably yeah. that's probably how he got trapped in there. But I just love that scene; it was really great, super good. I love the his burned face in that top panel too, where he's like, "Oh, it's horrible." Back to O'Donnell. Yay! I love him. He's all, you say you know, you don't, you don't, you don't know. Before I told you how they're leaking back into the world. Not big, not loud like before, not loud like the California monster, but quiet. Thieves slipping into the house of man so we don't see them. And who knows how many. They see it, the nomads, the new shamans, the wanderers, the guardians. So fucking dramatic. I love it. You won't see it. I was going to say, I just love the way he's drawn when you're in that part. Oh, yeah, he's like his hands out in the air, yeah. You don't see it. You see the things anybody can see, but it's bigger than that, and, and it's smaller. This it's 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 a watershed moment, but you won't see. And then Abe is like understanding what yeah. he's saying. He's like, oh, there's a tipping point. Well, that's what Daimyo said in the yeah, last story. Yeah, Daimyo said that we were hitting a tipping point. He's putting it together, and he's actually listening instead of just being like, okay, all right, yeah. time for a nap. Like, no, listen to this fucking guy. And that's what the UN guy does. He goes, Doctor Corrigan, yeah. and she like comes and she takes him away. And that's another thing is that like Professor O'Donnell m- may be a type of shaman but maybe it was not properly directed Mm. and so here's what happens when you try to suppress it everyone tries to suppress it oh take your medicine oh you know you need to go to bed oh we need to lock you up and oh keep you away from everybody like it's like what if he had been allowed to properly express this and you know he's a he's a professor Mm -hmm. he's a fucking you know what i mean like just because he's a weirdo what if he's the kind of what if he's an example of what happens when shamans aren't allowed to fucking do their jobs? Mm. Yeah. Mm. He kind of it he suffers for it a little bit. And everyone else is going to suffer for it too cuz he's constantly the Right. He's the he's the professor that's running in with uh, dropping all his papers <laughs> with like pushing his glasses up his face like there's going to be a volcano in Houston and everyone's like all right. And then it happens and no one listened to him. Right. It's like a whole it's a whole trope, you know. Yeah, maybe we'll learn more about Professor O'Donnell's origin in the future. (laughs) We cut back to, we see these cop cars in the city, and it's Abe. He's with the state troopers, and they're looking for these kids, right? So they find this place, and the cop says, FTRA and the like, been bivouacking at the stadium for years and years. So FTRA, that's the Freight Train Riders of America. It is a supposed group of Americans who move about by freight hopping in railroad cars, particularly in the northwestern United States and southwestern Canada, and sometimes have been linked to crimes and train derailments. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so that's uh, so I was wondering what that was. So it, it sounds like 
in this city, people who jump these train cars stay in this abandoned school a lot. Is that bivouacking? Yeah, and bivouacking means setting up ca- uh, temporary camps. Nice. So they start looking around, and Devon says, well, we are really looking for one girl. And Abe says, no, we're looking for a girl with a whole army of followers. If it turns out she's here all alone, then she's not who we think she is. But then they hear somebody screaming from inside. And so Abe goes to go check it out. Devon's like, oh, hold on. The trooper knows this wreck better than we do. And Abe's like, okay, go get him. Meanwhile, I'll do my job. (laughs) So Abe goes in there with the gun. And the cop comes out, and he's asking Devon what's going on, and then all of a sudden they hear, oh, God, no, and then they hear gunfire. And that's how the issue ends. It's really kind of cool when you, like, because we got that first story from um, that one point of view, and then the second story is from the Bureau's point of view. Sure, yes. pretty much ends exactly at the same spot. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. both issues. So we know that Abe is going to confront this guy, but now we know that a gunshot goes off next. And I want to talk about this BPRD Gods Chapter 3 cover. I just love this Ryan Sook cover with Abe and the two monsters. Just really great detail. Sook just does an awesome job. I really miss his work. You know, he only did that one Hollow Earth story. I really wish he would have stuck around and done some more pencils for BPRD. In issue three, we see... So we know that Abe confronted that guy. And then we know that there was a gunshot. So then when you see this guy run out, you're like, oh no, what happened? You know what I mean? But Abe is still in there, and they're like, Agent Sapien, what in the hell are you shooting at? And we see these giant monsters in there. So those are these big bat monsters again. So let's think about this. So that guy had that dream, and then he woke up, and then one of those monsters came through, right? Oh, yeah. If we're tracking how this all played out. And I love this. So they all start shooting at it, but Devon falls to the ground, and he's just all kind of huddled, you know, covering himself while they all shoot at it. And it doesn't seem to be going down. So then Abe just walks right up to it, sticks his hand like in its mouth and just shoots it in, through the head and it falls down. That is so badass. It's such yeah. a great moment. That was so satisfying seeing that he just like shoves yeah. his gun down his mouth and boom. Yeah. And like just the motion of him stepping back afterwards too as it falls down. All the motion that Guy Davis does. We've talked about this before, but it's just really good. Very dynamic. Yeah. And... Abe just turns around and walks away all badass, and he's like, you can get up now, Agent Devon. Trouble's all over. Ah, uh, I bet and, that felt good. It was probably very satisfying. And we yeah. see all the guys are laughing and everything, and Devon's like, no, that wasn't. I had to stay down, or I would have been hit. And the state trooper is like, take it easy, son. We all just needed a laugh. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, uh, Abe and Johan, they inspect the hole, and they talk about how it came up in seconds. So these new creatures, they're a lot tougher than they expected. Johan says the tunnel could lead them to more, but Abe says, we'll call it in. This team's already got its mission. And Devon tells Abe that that was uncalled for. (laughs) That was uncalled for. And he's like, trust me, Devon, you're only making it worse. So they find that guy, Willis, and they bring him to Abe. And he's like, oh, I can't believe it. The kid was right. And he's like, who was right? We cut to the community pool, and the kids are all there hanging out. Jorge's kind of watching over, but he's dozed off. And Dingo comes over to bring him a drink, and he wakes up, and he almost shoots the guy, right? He wakes up with the gun. And while they're yelling at each other, they're like, great, you woke up the fucking dog. I woke him up. Wait a sec, he ain't even looking at us. And so the Rottweiler, he's like looking at the inside of the pool and well, then someone say earlier that animals can also sense yeah. things. So we're seeing kind of yeah. an example of Yeah. That. Thank you for pointing that out. And then the one of those bat monsters start to come through there in the pool. 
and they just look so awesome. I mean, yeah. I just hate saying like, oh, this looks so it cool, does look it looks awesome. awesome, but it just it just does. And they immediately eat one of these kids. Oh. I think that's Jorge that they eat. And it starts coming down on the, oh, no, wait, that's somebody else. That's that not it until eats. later. Yeah, it eats Jorge later. Jorge comes <laughs> down with a gun. He's like, Phoenix. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? Shoot the thing, right? And he, he like, forgets that he has the gun for a second. And then he runs down and he starts shooting it. But it gets him. And it's coming closer in, in on Phoenix. And all of a sudden, they get saved. And it's Abe and the rest of the Bureau. And they shoot those bat monsters. So, I mean, this goes over a couple pages but these action beats are just so great. The art is done so well. Yeah, so Phoenix gets saved by the Bureau. That monster was, like, right on top of right. her, about to eat her. And they shoot up all the monsters. And once they just blast him to pieces, we got this wrapped up, Abe says. Go round up those Bedouins. We need to talk to them. All of them. Too late for this poor kid, the state trooper says, and it's Jorge. I mean it. Everybody move out and see who you can find. Tell them they're not under arrest, but get as many back as you can. On the double, Abe says, and while he's saying this, Phoenix is on the ground just staring at him, and she looks terrified. And she picks up the gun that Jorge had, and Abe turns around, and he looks at her, and he's like, son of a... He knows that's her. Yeah. He knows that's the girl that they're looking for. And so she starts running away, and he's like, no, wait, okay, I won't call anybody. Just you and me, all right? I'm not going to hurt you. I mean, heck, we just saved your lives, didn't we? Look, no weapons, okay? That better? I know I'm kind of scary looking, but just hear me out. My name's Abe Sapien. And he's like smiling. He's got yeah. both of his hands up. And she goes, I know who you are. And she just unloads on him. Shit. This is so awful. What would you guys think of this? Fucking what the awful, fuck? Awful, yeah. Yeah, so this is just terrible. I mean, and so, you know, he did just save them. But then we also know that she's got like this weird second sight thing. So it's just kind of like... Makes you wonder what's what's going on there, right? Right. This next page with Devin just standing there makes it horrible. Worse. Right. It makes the whole scene worse. We reveal that Devon saw this play out and he just didn't do anything. And she just looks at Devon and starts coughing. We cut back to the bureau and we get this scene. We see the little pelican ah. monkey walking ahead i really like the way that he walks with so his cute. hands up like that and everything. that's the way a monkey would walk love him and ponya she's passing by kate's office and she hears kate talking in there she says that uh can i bitch about it a little then language my dear language ponya says as she wheels by she's like <laughs> what uh good morning ponya god does that woman ever sleep and so we reveal that kate's talking to bruno cute they're having like this video call she's got her coffee this is really nice and Bruno's like, I keep saying, quit the bureau, leave Colorado, come to Germany and bake pies for me all day. Aww. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's right. I wanted to tell you, I'll be in Moscow next month. Think we can engineer a meetup? And he says, why are you going there? And she's like, hold on, Bruno. That's my work phone. She's talking to Devon. She asks him, did you find our girl yet? Kate, I'm sorry. Abe's been shot, Devon says. The paramedics won't tell me how bad it is. And she's like, wasn't he wearing his vest? He was. Otherwise, he'd be dead already. He was hit in the throat and the mouth, I think. And she's like, shit, who did it? Was it one of those train punks? Devon, who shot him? I don't know. Fucking. Fuck you, Devon. Piece of <laughs> shit. Back with the Bedouins. So we see that they they were also, they escaped. They got away. So Devon must have let her go also. And they're like, this everybody? Everybody alive set Dingo. They got him. I heard about Jorge. I'm real sorry. I shouldn't have sent you guys. And this is that guy Willis. And they're like, it's not your fault. Can't stay here no more. Where you want to go, they ask Phoenix. Colorado, she says. 
and happy- that's where the bureau is, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm happy to see that the dog made it out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't want the. Uh, by the way, oh, that actually reminds me. There's a thing called uh, "Does the Dog Die." Oh yeah. And I don't know if it's "Does the Dog Die" dot com, but it's something like that. You can just Google it, and it's the first thing that comes up, and it'll tell you before you watch a movie or or a TV show if there's something that's gonna upset you in the movie. You you know you can be either like be prepared for it or just skip it. They have a really big database of like all this stuff that would have like oh does a dog die does a cat die does a bird die does a mom a pa- or does like a parent die or is right. it like is there a clown in it is there a, someone <laughs> drowning is someone lose any fingers does someone it's a whole list of like things and like so it's like it's kind of one of those things of like yeah I don't really feel like seeing that right now I'm not in the right place to be seeing that I, I don't really want to deal with that at the moment and uh, that's a I just wanted to kind of plug that a little bit sure. that's actually a really cool resource if you're just like not down for that that specific day of the week you're not right. feeling it you can kind of look and see okay there is a dog in this movie still hanging out wish i had that knowledge a little bit uh, earlier this week saw a movie you know saw a dog die and i was uh, not really happy about uh, that no <laughs> yeah that website's really useful yeah. i'm not saying like I'm, I'm not saying i didn't enjoy the movie because no I did, yeah but... and I, i'm just saying like you know you it's sometimes people would are just like you know I I would rather I would rather not. Yeah. <laughs> so next we're going to talk about BPRD Hell on Earth Monsters. This is a two issue miniseries published from July to August 2011. These issues were published w- with covers by Ryan Sook. This was also the first miniseries to feature Tyler Crook as the BPRD artist. Wait 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 before we go on there. So we just read the last guy Davis. That was yeah. That's I was, it. I was going to bring I was going to bring that up at the end, but yeah, that was. That, that ends Guy Davis's run on BPRD. Really love Guy Davis a lot. Really yeah. love his art. 50 some odd issues and eight years. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Incredible work. Yeah, you mentioned like a few weeks back that he wasn't still in the book, and I was like, wait, what? And yeah. so I, I kind of tried to even prepare myself for it, but I wasn't really prepared. But Tyler Crook, man, Tyler Crook is amazing. He no, did yeah, that amazing absolutely. work. So, I yeah, mean, we're going to we're, yeah. we're get some more really good Tyler Crook stuff, and we're going to get some other great artists that I'm excited about, too. So Tyler Crook is great. And I got to show you guys you, uh, that Tyler Crook that he did for Jason Abaddon with Abe and Daimyo. Right. You've got to see that sketch. I'll share it this week. You know, and there's a. <laughs> There's a thing uh, I don't I don't want to disparage any artist at all. So there's a thing where I'll see a book and I'm like, oh, cool, this looks great. And I open up the book and I'm like, it's no longer right. I'm no longer that excited about reading this. <laughs> but these books are never ever like that. Yeah. And I look at the book and I'm like, cool, can't wait. Open it up. The art inside is always incredible. I'm even more excited right. to read it. It's you know, so the, all the artists that have been working on these books are just fantastic and super good. And the first issue was also published with an alternate cover by Francesco Francavia, who is an awesome artist. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you should definitely check him out. Story by Mignola and Arcudi, art by Tyler Crook, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And I want to talk about this Ryan Sook cover. I really love this cover with Liz. She's kind of like, you know, half in the that dream world where she's got the photo and then half of her is kind of in the real world. And we see this like frog. I just love all that. And there's the picture of Hellboy in the background. Well, I like how the frog is like part of the dream world. You see the frog, but in the real world, it's the skeleton of the yeah, frog. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. We open up on Sugar Hill Park. So this is like a trailer park. And these guys are all talking. And they're playing cards. And there's this one guy. The big guy, his name is Jubal. And he's drinking a beer. 
and they're just kind of like talking and drinking beer and then this woman comes in and jubal says hey there chica just in time almost out of beer yikes and it's liz and she just looks at this guy she goes if you don't get your fat ass out of this house right now you're going to be completely out of teeth and he goes up to her girly you got any idea who it and she just kicks him in the (laughs) face so hard i just love this panel and i just love this panel too of liz where she opens the door it's like it's a new artist and you know who she is though we know exactly who she is by the way the expression on her face and how she's talking it's it's like we know that that's our liz and i like the way that you know she just kicks this dude in the face while she's holding a bag of groceries amazing calmly just walks over and puts her groceries down on the table like right yeah and they're like jesus lady his jaw's all busted Great time to take him to the hospital, she says. And this guy in the hat, the one in the backwards hat, that's Stu. He goes, this ain't over, bitch. And she goes, yeah, it is. Oh, shit. And then this one ponytail guy, he's like, Lizbeth? And she goes, I'm going to bed. And she just slams the door. So remember in our story last week, there were these two guys watching that reverend. And then that one guy got after that other guy. And he's like, don't watch TV while she's sleeping. And so... As these two guys walk off. So I was trying to keep she track of everyone. She needs to get a sound machine. She needs to get like a white noise machine. Yeah, those are very helpful. They're good. I was trying to keep track of everyone's name here. So this one in the flannel shirt with the beard, that's Eli. And then Stuart is the one with the cap. And they're talking about how they think Liz is a secret agent. Got herself into some trouble and now she's on the run. Something like that. And Stu's like, where'd you hear that bullshit? And he's like, it's what Jeb told me. She told him, he told me. Makes sense, seeing how she kung fu'd the crap out of this bear. They're taking Jubal back to his house. Back with Liz, we see that she's still in that vision. And she's looking at that picture of Hellboy that we saw in The King of Fear. And behind her, she sees a this ghost of Shanshin or a vision of him. And it says, let it go. I did, I let it go. All of it, she says. I killed them, every single one of them. I feel it, they're gone. I'm done. And then she sees, is that Professor Broom in front of her? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, I don't want to. So what is that about? It's a weird, it's a weird ass dream. Well, I mean, as she's holding the picture of uh, looking at Hellboy, she's like, he's coming back. He's coming back. And he's like, maybe she's, I'm getting the impression that she's wanting Hellboy to come back. Oh, right. But that she's also done with it. She's tired of it. She doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Right. Yeah. And so she's talking to Broom. She says, he's coming back. You don't need me. I'm done. I'm done. And then all of a sudden it's her dad. And she says, what is it, daddy? And he opens his mouth and he doesn't say, this is very creepy, this whole scene. Ah, it's super good. Yeah. We reveal that she's awake in the trailer park. We see the light go on in her room. She opens the window and she sits up. So Memnon has been dead for a long time she doesn't even have powers anymore but she's still kind of having these visions she's still kind of trapped in this weird apocalyptic future thing i like it when um she's like what is a dad and he goes to open his mouth and it's all like the ring sounds and then it cuts to the right trailer, and you see her waking up and that's kind of like you know how like sometimes you'll be dreaming about something but the real oh, world yeah. will affect come into your dream yeah kind of, sort of and then you wake up and you're like oh yeah i love her expression on the very last panel of this page right where she's sitting up in bed that this artist is really good at drawing facial expressions yeah really good stuff we cut to this newscast we're back with a returning guest that we teased with you before the break this fucking guy. returning and yet somehow completely new i have to say reverend paul nedden or should i not be calling you reverend i mean and so it's the reverend who was going on and on in the um, 
BPRD Hell on Earth New World, but now he's got like a turtleneck and he's all like kind of... He's got the beard grown. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like the kind of professor that hits on his students. Right. <laughs> he says his faith is stronger than ever. I'll admit my error, my flawed humanity. I saw retribution because I was stuck adhering to the old paradigm. A millennia old paradigm, in fact. It was my own anger that blinded me. Anger and fear. I couldn't see that what was happening is not condemnation, not damnation. It's salvation. And so they're like, you're saying the monsters are good things? And he's like, not for everybody, no. They say, is this some kind of rapture? And he's like, listen to yourself. The rapture is a bunch of nonsense. And so the guy's like, okay, okay, we seem to be talking across each other, but I want to be straight. Are you saying that God sent that thing to help us? And they show the Salton Sea creature on the monitor. Or have you turned your back on God altogether? And the reverend says, Patrick, that is God. I like it in the exchange. He's like, so the rapture's fake, but animal sacrifice is cool. And he's like, we were having a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of that? It's not really surprising. You yeah. know, the kind of, he, he was already the kind of person that was like hell and damnation and blah, blah, blah. But now he's like, oh, this guy is salvation in God. So and a cult that. leader. He's a cult leader. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he, he just traded one. Sure. One set one of. One cult bel- for another. Yeah. 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 That's what you do, though. I think a lot of like cult survivors end up doing that too. It's really kind of scary. Well, he's. It's. I guess it's fine that he's not preaching one thing, but now he's preaching another bullshit. So, mm, yeah. you know. And we cut back to Todd and Jeb, and these are the two guys that we saw in New World when they were fighting about watching the TV. He's just. I think it, <laughs> I like this exchange because he starts yelling right at the TV, and the guy's like, "Hey." can you please not you know and the guy's like oh but you said i could watch tv and he's like yeah but you're yelling at the tv right you know what i mean like cut that shit out dude but i like how he's kind of, kind of calm about it he's just reading his newspaper right to shut up i'm sick of it i can't relax in my own home it's like you're not really relaxing though you're getting very worked out yeah so and he goes fine move out i like that idea and he's like yeah right like you could handle her yourself and so it's i think it's funny because in the last yeah. one he took off and then on this one he takes off again right uh. So are these the two same guys that she met in the bar at the end of um, uh, the Plug of Frog series? No, I don't think so, because those guys spoke French. Right. And these guys are, like, obviously rural. Rural they, American. They don't yeah. seem to be French. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as Todd is walking off in the rain, he sees this frog, and he just kicks at it. I like to think that he kicks and then the frog jumps out of the way a split second before yeah. his boot makes contact with him at least that is what i am pretending happened because that is awful please do not kick animals. but whenever we've seen these right? frogs show up it's usually not a good yeah yeah this guy doesn't know that though yeah so we get the scene with Stu and eli and it looks like they're taking some beer over to jubal the guy that got his jaw broken earlier so this guy Stu, he says i tried to get him to go fishing with us Frog jaw don't mean he can't come outside, but he wouldn't come. They're talking about how, oh, well, he got beat up by a girl. So oh, he's that been means humiliated. His pride has been right. wounded. It's like you guys, please. And he's like, help. whatever friends he does got being us, well, he needs them right now. They walk over to Jubal's. And while they're, they kind of look into the window as they're walking up to the door and they see Jubal, he's holding a shotgun on his wife. And she's like cowering back. So they're immediately like, holy shit. So we cut to them just banging on the door and Liz comes out. God damn it. If you pound on someone's door for 20 minutes and you don't get an answer, that means nobody's home. (laughs) And this guy's like, look, I'm sorry. I know you sleep like all the time, Uh but we need help. And she's like, who's we? 
you and your other rotmouth loser that threatened me last week, I'll pass. He's like, no, Jubal, that big guy you kicked. And she's like, right, my other pal. Beat it. And he's like, he's got a gun on his old lady. So then she comes out. She's like, that's a job for the police. And he's like, well, but I'm on parole and this other guy's got warrants. And he's like, you can, I guess, unless there's some reason you don't want cops around. So she's like, all right. You know what I mean? That convinces her to kind of intervene. What have those two idiots of mine been telling you about me, she says. So they walk over, and the guy's like, look, you handled him pretty easy earlier. And she's like, so your idea is I knock him out again, help him get out of jail? Why do you think I do that? And he's like, didn't say I did think it. And she's like, hmm, you may not be as stupid as you look. And as they walk off, we see more frogs behind them. Like the little onomatopoeia for the rebit. Yeah, and they come up with Stu, and he's like, damn, Eli, what took you so long? And he tells Liz, Jubal's forced his wife back into the bedroom. Been pretty quiet since. I heard them talking, heard a lady's voice, so I know she's still. And she just pushes him out of the way. That's for calling me a bitch. And he's like, this is your fault, you know. In his right mind, Jubal never hurt the woman. But he's a proud man and you humiliated him. Cool. Let's go ahead and (laughs) blame someone else's horrible, violent choices on a woman. I guess. And she's like, let's hope I can do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then I guess we're like, you know, I I don't think anyone should ever make excuses for domestic violence. But also, apparently, in this particular situation, she is being possessed by some weird demons and is trying to hack him up with an axe. Sure, yeah. Or a hatchet. What is it? It's like a... Cleaver. Cleaver, yeah. Meat cleaver. Yeah, meat cleaver. So that's something. (laughs) I don't, this whole thing is just very weird yeah it is and so liz bursts into there and she says apparently you're not mad at your wife you're mad at me so come out come on and shoot my ass if you think you can and she doesn't really hear anything she hears a whimper from the side of the couch and she sees the wife she's got blood all over her hands but she's like pretending yeah she's pretending that she's the victim and liz is like it's gonna be all right and she's like no in there in there and so liz looks in there and what did you guys think of this horrible. review? Yeah. Horrible. Fuck. Job. Really don't really don't want to see this kind of mutilation, honestly. Wish I hadn't turned the page. Right. And this re- kind of reminds me of those frog temples a little bit, That's right? exactly those what I thought Those four about. temples that the frogs would build, but it's... Because... And has... there's the writing all over the wall, too. It's extremely detailed and very graphic. Yeah. And the, I the, didn't need that in my life at all. All the candles. It's like, dismembered. Yeah. It's not... And Liz is, you know, she do, she just kind of looks around. I mean, she does look shocked, but she's just kind of investigating things. And then from behind her, the wife approaches with this cleaver. And she's like, ain't you going to scream? And she goes, I don't scare easily. Liz says, trust me, trailer monkey, you're going to need a lot more than a meat cleaver to end me. That's just it, Liz, honey. And it's that guy, Todd, with the ponytail. He's like, she's got a lot more. So they're all they're all being taken over right. by these, like, demon things demon spirits or something chapter two and we get another great ryan sook cover with liz beating the shit out of some guy outside Stu and eli they're waiting to see what happened to liz and they get approached by these other guys right they're like what are you boys up to so now some other people are starting to come by inside liz is squaring off with todd and this woman i swear todd you're even stupider than i thought you can't shoot me, jackass. You'll blow holes in your new girlfriend's face. Make her even uglier. And so Liz starts handling them, right? They This lady tries to... Um, she does like a judo throw right, or something. Right, she throws her into, the, into Todd. 
and then she just kicks Todd in the head. I love, I love good night, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and she's barefoot too. You yeah, know? yeah. I can't do this anymore. It's supposed to be all over. I'm supposed to be. Ah, oh, hell. She goes outside and they're stringing up Stu and Eli. Yikes. And I like how she just shoots the shotgun into the air. She's like, back the fuck off. We cut to Kate. She's watching the monitors. And we see the last image sent via cell phone out of London. This is Big Ben. And we see that it's exploding. The clock face is exploding and there's lightning everywhere. The massive and unprecedented storm, now in its second day, continues to make all communication into or out of southern England impossible. As far away as France and even Netherlands, information services have been disrupted. But there seems to be little doubt that we're looking at another catastrophe of biblical proportions. And Kate, she's talking to the UN guy and she goes, you know, a little while back when we heard from Hellboy, that's where he was, south of London. Hmm. Oh, I can't wait to read that story. <laughs> and he's like, you think he's the cause? And Kate's like, what? He's like, I'm sorry. It's just that I've gotten so much conflicting information. This guy's just coming in. He doesn't know right. what's going on or anything. He's like, I hate to have to bring it up, but you're meeting in Moscow. And she's like, oh, God, can't we postpone that? At least until Abe's recovered. And he's like, well, Agent Sapien, that's actually what I came to talk to you about. We cut back to Liz. It looks like she got the two guys inside. She got Stu and Eli inside with her. and But all the other people are outside now. Liz says, yeah, well, as allies, I'm guessing you two aren't worth a lot, but I need all the help I can get. For one thing, my cell's back at the house, so how about you call the cops? But they say that they took their cell phones. And Eli says, where is Jubal anyhow? And Liz goes, check the bedroom, see what your neighbors have been up to. He just goes in there and he sees that. Oh, shit. Damn, lady, what the fuck? And look at you. It's like you don't even care. Like, you see this every day. She goes, not every day. And they're like, guess you're right, Eli. Secret agent. <laughs> She's like, yeah, big secret. Look, that thing in there, that's why those redneck monkeys showed up. This place is like a church to them now. I don't have time to explain. They're not going anywhere, okay? We need to make a run for it. You got a gun. They don't. Let them run. And she's like, it's a trailer park, Eli. How far do they have to look for a gun? Besides, I have one round left. That's it. He's like, running ain't no plan. Look at Stu. He ain't no shape to even walk. No, guess not, okay? But I have to warn you, plan B's even worse. And so outside we see this, they're all congregating around this guy. He's got like a red hoodie on. In the sketchbook, Tyler Crook says, next to this guy's character design, it says, NASCAR meets Metallica. Oh, wow. <laughs> I saw that. That just made me laugh. Yeah. It was so hilarious. They hear a crash and a boom, and they, he's like, they're making a break for it. So they run around to the side, and they see Liz and Eli are running off. God damn, I don't get it. It's almost like they ain't even human no more. Not almost, Eli, Liz says. It's exactly like that. And we see they have those blacked out eyes. We saw that in New World also. And so I think creepy. we've also seen it with the with the frog monsters. And they don't make it, right? They get cornered off. You're right, lady. This plan sucked, she says, because she was like, you don't want to know what plan B is. She's like, shut up, Eli, and stay out of my way. And she starts fighting these guys off. Come on, Cracker Boys. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> nice. And so as she, I love where it pauses, like all this, all these lights shine on them. So they stop, but Liz is like mid punch. She's got this guy. Good, yeah. I, love, yeah. I really love that panel. And this one guy, this is Jeb. This is her other roommate guy. 
And he's and he stops them. All right, I guess that's just about enough of that. She puts her fucking hand in this guy's face. Right. She calls you, him a hillbilly. You hillbilly psychos. Now we're finished. But he's like, Lizbeth, honey, I'm talking to you. Oh no! So both of her roommates were in on it, I guess. Well, I don't know. Like they've been taken over. Well, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's. So we cut to these guys. They've got the tiki torches. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Tiki How torches. Jeez. And they're sitting around this guy. I think his name's Rhett. And he's like, "Brother Jeb, now listen. The only safe thing to do is kill both of them." And he's like, "She's my woman, all right. And I got the guns. So I say we give her a chance to convert." And so this guy, Rhett, with the hoodie, he's like, she saw the altar, and what'd she do? She attacked the congregation. Attacked the congregation is what? She had her chance to see the light, and that's what she'd done with it. Jeez. And then so they're like, and what about the other guys? So they're trying to figure out what to do. And as they're arguing, Liz is like talking to herself, and she goes, kill every frog on the planet still isn't enough. And she starts focusing, and she has this flashback with Master Gengen. He tells her, but not with effort. Let that fall away. Let the peace flow through you. That is when you succeed. All things are possible when you stop struggling. One thing I thought was interesting, Rhett and this guy, Jeb, are arguing. And he goes, question my faith after all I done. I'm the first one who told you about the Sultan. So about the Sultan Sea creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like cults. Uh, yeah. arising out of this Sultan Sea monster. While they're arguing, Liz whispers over to Eli, and she says, when they cut you free, head to my place and get my phone. It's on the bed by the end table. And he's like, when they what? And then we reveal her binds are undone. Yeah. Right? So, like, how was she able to get out of that? Through she's the, fucking awesome. Through the spiritual, through her... No, she's a fucking agent. She's oh, yeah. Good. She knows how to do shit like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's like, uh, she's like, you know. Like, if you tried to tie up James Bond, like, he knows how to get yeah, out man. of that shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's like that. Secret agent skills. Or like Bruce Willis, you know, he's going to tape a gun behind his back or some bullshit. Yeah. He's <laughs> just, it's just one of those things. And I love this motion of her grabbing these guys' ankles and pulling them out from under himself. Yeah. On this bottom panel, I just really like how that's done. And it just seems like that's something she would do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she runs up to this guy. She's like, thanks, Jeb. All right, listen up, faithful ones. I've got a few demands. First, cut Eli free. So she cut him free. Yeah, so he already he knows what to do because she told him. Home dude's pants are just Yeah, that is an atrocious <laughs> outfit. <laughs> what the fuck? That is not okay. He consciously put on those pants and said, yep. I look good. I'm going to wear this <laughs> this pants and this hoodies combination today. It's fucking awful. And she holds him at gunpoint. She tells everyone else that if they so much as move, he'll do some serious dying. Well, you skipped over the part where she calls them slackjaw clowns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a very creative put down. And uh, a good insult. all of a sudden the cops show up. And so she's like, looks like somebody already ride you out. Guess one of your flock has strayed, but then they're like, "Drop your weapons!" And she's like, "What?" Her face is great. And then one of these guys, Jeb, he's like, "Uh, thank God you got here, officers. She's out of her mind, oh, right?" So they man. start trying to turn it around on her. She's like, "Fine." She just drops the guns. I just really love Tyler Crook's work right here, yeah. where she has the guns and then she drops them. It's just really well done. Well, and, you shouldn't drop guns. Just place them oh, on right. the ground because they could go off. But Liz doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Maybe she's hoping they will go off. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Cause another distraction. Sure. So inside Stu, he was the one that was getting hung. I don't want to see this he's anymore. Still, uh, <laughs> I don't want to see it. He's still inside and he looks out the window. He sees that they're taking Liz. And so he kind of thinks for a moment what to do. 
And then as they're arresting Liz, he throws that dead body outside. Fucking wow. Right. Wow. So, but that's a great move because all of a sudden, and I love this cop's response. He goes, Jesus H. God. (laughs) (laughs) So they immediately, it breaks all that up. What the frig is going on here? Yeah. And so everybody runs off, including Liz. She gets away. No, I don't believe it. And we cut to the BPRD. Kate's crying. This morning I was told he'd make a full recovery. And the UN guy says, nobody understands Dr. Corrigan. He just crashed this afternoon. They got his heart beating again, and he's on life support, but it's too late. His EEG indicates extensive brain damage. I'm sorry, doctor. He's gone. The end. Horrible. I, um... I really appreciate the way he drew Kate's face up here. Like, that's the way someone looks when they're crying. Their face is all screwed up, and and yeah. you know, it's not like a yeah. You know, your chin does something, and your yeah, forehead, your nose and your, your nose and your mouth and your forehead and your eye. Like your your face does certain things when you are crying, and yeah. uh, people call it like ugly crying, but I don't think that's what <laughs> you know. It's just regular crying. It's yeah. just what a human face does when you cry and you're upset about your friend dying so that's i think that that's really uh, i love his facial expressions it's, it's, it's very real and it helps you kind of connect to that moment a little bit more and feel those feelings and it's um right but as for the thing itself that is happening here ooh, yeah is, uh, this is crazy that's not good and we can see the monitors where they're monitoring abe and we see like the heartbeat and we see like the respiratory but then like the neural you can see like how it like spiked down, down. They're basically like saying, that, well, he light. said, yeah, like the EEG right, saying yeah. that he's brain dead or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really messed up. So let's think about this, like with the BPRD and let's think about all the different members of the BPRD. Hellboy quit. Roger got blown up. Daimyo uh, yeah. turned into a were jaguar and ran off with Daryl the Wendigo. Liz got separated and powerless. And now Abe is brain dead in the thing. So like, who do we Great. have? Who do we have left? Right? Awesome. We we've Kate, got Kate. We've got Johan and Devon. And Devon. And Johan's really Ponya. not. <laughs> Johan's really not much help because he's all focused on this other thing he's obsessed with. So right. he's not even really in play. Yeah. And, so. and Devon. And Devon is kind of a. Devon is a piece of shit. And uh, Ponya is. Kick him the fuck out. Yeah. And so we're going to, you know, we're actually going to take a little bit of break from the BPRD for a couple of weeks. We're going to read some other things. Bleh. We're going to go back in time and read some things that happened in the past. And we're just going to kind of leave it here for a little bit. And so what a crazy arc to, yeah, what a crazy arc to leave this hanging on. I just want to point out the similarities of Abe's tank to the Bacta tank that Luke was hanging in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I don't know why. nerd. Shit, you know it. (laughs) (laughs) On the sketchbook, we have some notes by Scott Alley. He says, Phoenix is a character they were thinking about for a while, and they had Ryan Sook actually design her since he was going to do these covers, and since he does such detailed work, they were like, let's have him design what she looks like. So he kind of designed the character, and you can kind of see in the sketchbook. Um, there are some cool designs of Phoenix and her sweatshirt. It says here, sweatshirt emblem, something like this. Skull is split by zipper. Cool. There's some awesome sketches. And so there is this BPRD Hell on Earth Gods number one variant cover. There are some awesome sketches of Guy Davis figuring out how to do it. And he says, and I really want, this is one of the covers that I don't have. I've been trying to track this one down for a reasonable price. 
He says, I wanted to do something unusual and meaningful. The cover wound up being one of the most collaborative single pieces of art we've created, with everyone on the team throwing in ideas. But of course, most of the hard work fell to Guy. The cover signals major changes for Abe Sapien, starting in this volume. The lettering layer got Clem on the cover for the first time. So Clem Robbins hadn't ever been on a cover, but since he did those weird lettering, yeah. he got so like he got to be on the cover That's too. That's fucking awesome. And I love this cover. Yeah, it's, it's so great. fucking cool. How cool. They talk about the bat monsters. Guy Davis again, once again, designs the greatest monsters in all of comics. These designs were created early in the process so Ryan could draw them on the covers. And there's just some great sketches of Ryan Sook drawing Liz and Hellboy sketches for the cover. They look really great. The pencils are amazing. And then you can also see this awesome variant cover by Francesco Francavia. He does a really good job with the cover for this BPRD Monsters. And that was another thing I wanted to talk about. What did you guys think about this story with Liz? Because she's like um, depowered. She didn't have her fire powers, but she still had this kind oh, of... Oh, she's a kick-ass secret agent. Yeah, yeah. And, and even in just the real world trying to lay low, you can't avoid this shit. Yeah. It's like everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I thought it was what, interesting to have a yeah. yeah to have this story where there's no powers. It's just weird shit. That's what I was trying to uh, illustrate earlier is that they they're literally taking the idea of you can't run from the darkness, you can't hide, you can't bury it, you can't forget about it, you can't avoid it. Trying to avoid it just makes things worse. You have to face it head on. You have to live in it. You have to really be present for it, and only then will will everything be the way it's supposed to be. And so they're they're taking that idea and they're making it much bigger. They're making it very literal. And it's also in the sketchbook, this the, horrible sketch of this guy. Yeah, the the weird writing is supposed to be the frog writing, and it says the rune that he has on his sweater. It says emblem. If you rotate this ninety degrees wise, it is a rune that means cleansing fire. I added the dots for fun. <laughs> yeah, so I really like those sketches. And there's also sketches of his a back to tank and all the kind of uh, different designs of that all right and so um it's survey time again do a thing let's do a thing oh look at that all right fun we got a we got a homework assignment all right so um just like we did for when we finished up our hellboy story since we're going to kind of take a break from this storyline for a little while and read some other stuff for a couple weeks i thought it would be nice to kind of look back at all the bprd stuff just like we did when we finished reading all the hellboy short stories i'm gonna need to ask you what every single sure, one that's of these fine. things are <laughs> i know so let's um let's start with the first one we have less than an issue so any stories that we read that were bprd related i also included the abe sapien stories that we read if they were less than an issue Born Again, that's the one where they find the Roger found that little relic in the wall and that monster mm -hmm. uh, took Johan's ectoplasm. Yeah. The one that we saw Shanshin fight in the right. story. Out of Reach, that's the one where Johan took the knife. He stole that knife from that guy. Helena Siano, which was the one was Jiroko and the cop that we read last week. Revival was the one with Daimyo and... Yeah, the revival with the little girl in the ball. She turned into a um, giant bullfrog. Yeah. The BPRD teaser, that was just a short one where Kate was reading Johan's file. And then Another Day in the Office, that was the one with Abe and Roger. 
where they this guy was raising all these zombies and they just shot him in the neck and then he fell down um well what did you put for your number one uh born again okay and what did you put aubrey born again for number one I I put Born Again as my number two, and I put Revival as my number one. I really liked that one. It has Daimyo um, fighting the bullfrog girl, and she turns into a girl at the end to try and be like, no, and Daimyo doesn't care. Oh, he just right, shoots yeah. her anyway. I put Revival at my number two. Ah, and then I put Hell on Earth Seattle as number three, the one with Jeroko and the cop. I like that one. I also put that one in number uh-huh. three. Oh, awesome. Excellent. <clears throat> So our next category is the single issue. These are stories that just lasted an issue. Abe Sapien, Drums of the Dead. That was the one where Abe was there with that psychic and the psychic turned into that weird African tribal monster. And then he turned into a naked guy and Abe had to, and he, Abe got thrown up on. And then at the end, um, Abe had to go down there and get all the skeletons. It was the skeletons of, oh. of, of slaves. Yeah, I, yeah, I do remember that. Mm, yeah. Soul of Venice, that's the one with Cloacina, drawn yeah. by Omin. Night Train, that's the one with uh, Roger, where those guys are making fun of him, and he oh, feels yeah. all bad about himself, and then Lobster Johnson, the ghost of Lobster Johnson is in there, too. Right. Isn't that the one that uh, Jeff Johns worked on? Yes. Awesome. Dark Water, that's the, one, that's the first Guy Davis one, where Roger and Abe... They have to t- save that town where there's that mud oh, right, water yeah. that oh, the priest know. is controlling. There's something under my bed was that one where Abe has to, those monster, the little toys are monsters and they're taking them, the little kids, and Abe has to go save all of them. Abe Sapien Lost Lives, that was the one with Roger and Abe in his sweater phase where he's um, <laughs> examining that monster and then the monster takes him over. The Black Flame epilogue. Carl Moline, that that's the one where we meet Ashley Strode and Liz. They have an adventure. It's kind of weird. It was the epilogue for the Black Flame. Here, when I show you, you remember. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And Ashley Strode, she she wanted to... The War on Frogs, uh, Herb Trempe and Guy Davis issue, that's the one where Roger goes down there and he finds those evolved frog monsters and then he kills them and he's like, why did we have to do that? They weren't bothering anybody. Oh. Do you remember that one? That was the one with the word boxes, the word bubbles that we uh, yeah. that we talked about for a while. The War on Frogs, John Severin, that was the one where um, it was just all the different agents and they had to fight those frogs on the ship and Abe was... Abe was communicating with them from the inside the ship or from the from the BPRD. And then the War on Frogs with Peter Sneedsberg. That's the one with Johan and the ghost of the frog monsters. Remember oh, yeah. where he oh, had to try and take yeah. them into to their heaven or whatever. So let's rank those top threes. All right, let's start. What did you put for number three, Danielle? Oh, I, I put uh, the Peter Sneedsberg. War on Frogs. Yeah, I like that one too. With what? the uh, with the um the ghost frogs. Yeah, ghost frogs. Is your number three? Yeah. So did I. Ah. Oh wow, I put Abe Sapien Lost Lives. I really like the art on that one. Hmm. It was really beautiful art. It really was. But for number two, I put my I put that one. Oh okay. The Sneedsberg, uh War on Frogs issue. What did you put for your number two? I got Dark Waters. Oh okay, awesome. For number two. There's something under my bed for number two. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. 
And for number one, I put Dark Waters. I like that oh, one a lot. What did you put? I put Soul of Venice. Oh, I yes. Really like that would have been Venice my number four, I think. Yeah, I think that would have been. Oh, I man. Just, now love, I'm reconsidering yeah. my, whole, my whole. I love Oming and I loved that story. I think that, you know, that, that was a good Roger. Yeah, that was a good Roger story. I should have put that. Maybe I should have bumped Lost Lives to four. Anyway, <laughs> what what did you put, Aubrey? Dark Waters. Oh, okay. Awesome. That's number one. Yeah. But now you make a good case for Soul, Soul of Venice. Soul of Venice is yeah, great. Yeah, I know. It's hard, yeah. yeah. It's rough. I it, like I said in the last survey, I reserve the right to change my mind sure. <laughs> even before we all walk out the door. What's right. really going to be hard is when we get to the next this category the because, one, like, yeah. how uh, am I going to be able to pick? So the three or more issues we have: Hollow Earth, that was the Ryan Sook one where they went underground to save Liz. Plague of Frogs, that's where they had the Saduham mushroom head guy. Um, the dead is Wait, the, the mushroom head guy. Where the guy turned into Saduham and he had the the giant he was like a mushroom fungus guy. He looked like an elephant man. Oh. And they would touch the guys on the forehead and they would turn oh, into yeah, the I remember that. Yeah. Um that was the one where Johan took over a dead dog. Gross. Remember? <laughs> and then the dead is the one with the flesh moth or whatever. What? Well, they that, first move into the Colorado headquarters. And that guy, that scientist turned he at the end he turns into a giant he turns inside out and his skin Ew. becomes the wings of a moth. So much gross stuff. The black <laughs> the black flame is the one where Roger dies and we first meet the black flame, the Zinko frogs. That's also the one with the one with Kothahem. Yeah. The Universal Machine is the one where Kate fights the Marquis and meanwhile at the bureau they all tell their stories. What stories? They tell all their different stories. Daimios tells his story of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how he met the Jaguar God, and Yo- Johan tells that story about how he tried to be yeah. with that de- the ghost lady. Yeah. And what was Garden Abe, of Souls? Abe told the story of um, Daryl. Met Daryl. Yeah. What was Garden of Souls? Garden of Souls was the Victorian guys in the <laughs> robot suits, and Abe and Daimyo uh, yeah. in Indonesia. That's where they first. That's where we first meet Panya. Killing Ground is where we learn that uh, Daimyo's the were jaguar, oh, yeah. and he kills all those guys. The Warning—that's the one where those robots come out in Munich, and Kate meets Bruno for the first time. The Black Goddess was—they have Liz and Thadigris, and uh, they have that crazy fight with the Yetis and all that. Oh, yeah. King of Fear was—they have to fight the proto-humans and the frog monsters together, and then they—the Black Flame comes back out right. again. That's and a good book. And that's the one where this we get so that. So hard because this all blends together into one big yeah, story. For it does. Me. Yeah. This doesn't really—you know—this is all one big thing for me. And then New World is the one that we read last week, and then Gods and Monsters are the ones that we read this week. And so I try and think about it in terms of moments. Like, what yeah. are some of my favorite? Like, I love the whole Cothahem thing. So I know that, like, the Black Flame is going to be up there for yeah. me. Anyway. You got yours done? Yeah. What's your number three? My number three is the Black Goddess. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Aubrey? My number three is jumping between King of Fear and the Black Goddess, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to go ahead and say the Black Goddess. Oh, wow. It's so hard, though. Yeah, <laughs> mine is, I put King of Fear, but that for me, it's jumping, it's a close tie with Hollow Earth. Right. Because I really love that Ryan Sook story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number two, what did you do for number two? I put the Universal Machine for ah. number two. The Black Flame. Yeah. I miss you, Roger. Yeah, I also put the Black Flame as number two. Yeah, that's a good one. See, I, I was going back and forth yeah. between those. And what is your number one? The the Black Flame. 
Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. What did you nice. put for number one? Killing Ground. Ah, I put you the Universal Machine. Yeah. I um, love the Universal Machine. I mean, all of these were just so hard, but I mean, I guess... Dying, I love the Universal dying. Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll flip them. I'll probably flip them. I'll, I'll, uni- I'll put Universal... I'll flip yeah. <laughs> I'll put Universal Machine probably as number one, and then Black Flame as number that's two. That's what I did, yeah. but yeah, it's a close. It's hard to... No, I think I think yeah. that's actually a good... But I try to think about it how you said about um try to think about moments because I do agree yeah. that this is all one story to my yeah. right. So just you know what the 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 thing that happened with Daimyo is so heartbreaking because yeah. I love that character it all so feels much. Feels like one big long fucking yeah. story. Yeah. It's so hard to be like how it's like asking to choose between chapters of a book. Yeah. It's like very, you know, a weird. And then I've got like four or five and six written down over here that's clearly cheating, but like there's so you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 just one big story to me. So, yeah. and then f- the last category is our non-Guy Davis. So we all love the work of Guy Davis, and you know, kind of wrapping all that up. But we and also he does had most of the story. He so did most of what when we were read. when we're picking favorite stories. Like a good majority of them are all going to be right. Guy Davis art. So it's kind of like you're trying to say, oh, who's your other artist? Right. Like? Who Who are the, right. I think it's kind of um, it's obvious that we're gonna like Guy Davis yeah, the best. I, was, I think. Sure. Amongst the artists that the other great artists that we had, so we had Ryan Sook on the Hollow Earth and the BPRD teaser, Derek Thompson on Abe Sapien Drums of the Dead, Michael Avenoming on Soul of Venice, Scott Collins for Night Train, Adam Polina for There's Something Under My Bed, Cameron Stewart for Another Day at the Office, Juan Ferreira for Abe Sapien Lost Lives, Carl Moline did that Black Flame epilogue or the It's the Last War on Frogs issue with Liz. The War on Frogs issue with Herb Trempe and Guy Davis. The War on Frogs issue with John Severin. The War on Frogs issue with Peter Sneetchberg. And then Hell on Earth Monsters with Tyler Crook that we read this week. So I guess look at all those and, you know, try and rank the your top three on that. Um, so what would you put for number three? I put uh, Cameron Stewart. I like his style. Yeah. It's a good Cameron it's a good Stewart's style. great. We're yeah. going to see some stuff from him later that I really like. I put Juan Ferreira for Abe Sapien Lost Lives. I really love that art. What'd you put, Aubrey? Uh, I put uh, Hollow Earth Ryan Sook. Yeah, I love that one. What'd you put for number two? I have uh, uh, Oming. I love Oming. I love yeah. his style. I think it's very unique. I really like it a lot. And um, I get excited every time I see him doing anything. I just get really pumped for Omi. Yeah, I left it out of the single issue one, so I put it on for this one also at number two. Yeah. What about you, Aubrey? Honestly, that almost made my number two, but I went with the Black Flame epilogue. Oh, nice. Carl yeah. Moley, and I love yeah. his work. Yeah, he does a great job. And then the for number... of Venice was this good. Yeah. I had that already in another category It was already anyway, good, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for not picking it. I wanted to pick it this time. And then for my number one, I had Ryan Sook for Hollow Earth. I just love that. I had Tyler Crook. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that you put that. Yeah. There's something under my bed, Adam Polina. Okay. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, I just really like the way he drew the, uh, the stuff... The stuffed animal monsters. Yeah. <laughs> they were just really cool. He has kind of a heavy metal style. Yeah. yeah. He's got kind of an out there style. But then um, Tyler Crook was in my honorable mentions only right. because we just read the first story with him and I know that we're going to get a lot more art from him. I like his stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. His, his, stuff is, his stuff is really good. Awesome. So that was fun. And, you know, I'll make another survey monkey thing so you can get online and you can do it too. And then 
when we come back. Now we're not going to have a show next week, like I said earlier. So give so, everyone all the all the book club members plenty of time to weigh in on this and, and jo- yeah. join in the fun and do your homework. Take time to do the survey. So I'll be posting the Survey Monkey link on our social medias. So our next episode will be on the 19th on march 19th we'll be back for our next episode and yeah i'm really excited and hopefully i'll be all moved in by then and the hell on earth in terms of moving will be (laughs) will be over and we can start more hell on earth in the comics well actually can't wait to put up all of our hellboy and bprd related art yes right that's gonna (laughs) be really awesome it's gonna be good so signing off for a week, but we'll be back soon. Thank you so much. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, y'all. Share us your thoughts on BPRD, Hell on Earth, Gods, and Monsters. You can send us your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link on our Facebook page. And also, don't forget to check out our friends at Manolaverse.com. And thank you, Paul from Gardahan, for the killer theme. And please, I know, I'm sorry I butchered that. <laughs> if you could maybe do like a recording and we could listen to how you say it. Well, here he says, hard to offer a phonetic spelling. Gardahan is probably pretty close, but there's a Scottish och sound in there as well where in there god damn i'm too sorry i think it's after the i think it's garaharn yeah like that i think that's yeah yeah yes how you said it (laughs) we're trying our best and we love you and we're sorry (laughs) that's all we have to say about that yes maybe like i said just like you could let us listen to how we could say it and we could try and do it from there because we don't want to get it wrong but we are dumb americans so and I'm and I'm pretty southern. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's compounding it. Yeah. Thanks, man. We we love Thank it. Thank you. We love you it. Did a good job. We do. All right. Uh, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Not next week, but in two weeks, we are going to be discussing Hellboy, the Storm, and the Fury. Awesome. And I'm pretty excited about that. So you know what to do. Get your digitals, back issues, trades, omnibuses. The library editions. Go to your library, see if you can check them out on the Hoopla app, and join us along in two weeks on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle Renee. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, what the hell is this? A sociality class? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one.